0: Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app, or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.
1: Welcome to Sacred Symbols, the internet's most beloved PlayStation podcast. If you want to get our show three days earlier than free feeds and completely without ads, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash CollinsLastStand. Your support on Patreon also allows you to submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas to our show. Gives you the ability to vote on the Let's Plays we do. Allows you access to exclusive podcasts and more. You can also buy Sacred Symbols merch by going to tinyurl.com sacred sacredshirts. I suspect you'd look damn sexy with our logo emblazoned across your chest, but that's just one man's opinion. Of course, we love our free feed listening audience too. If you don't have the means or desire to show us support on Patreon or with merch, please consider leaving us a nice review on the podcast service of your choice and let friends and family know about sacred symbols. We, on the other hand, will keep making Tuesdays great again. But enough chatter. Have at you! On to the show. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 60. 60. Whoa. Unison. It's a, spe- it's, a, it's, a, it's a 10 number, so it's... Uh, gotta every be 10, we do it together? I, I don't know. Episode 80. <laughs> my name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by Chris Raygun. Chris, how are you today? I'm good. You know, uh, my, yeah. my kitchen flooded, mm. so that was cool. Maybe there's no more roaches now. They can't Oh, survive. definitely not. They're probably all like drowned. Right. Thank God. Right. But, well, you know, had to take care of that. What that was happened? I mean, give me some specific. No here. idea. I think
2: there was like a, a leak in like one of the pipes. And then my roommate was on the sofa in the living room and he didn't notice until I
1: walked into the kitchen and splashed around like a salmon. Wow. So that was cool. That's uh, that's too bad. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully they'll fix that for you. If, if uh, the pass is any indication, they'll fix it for you in the next month or so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe when I'm in a different apartment, they'll fix it. Right. Exactly. Well, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you were able to swim out of your apartment. <laughs> And arrive here in Santa Monica, California. Chris, today's episode is a big episode. Yeah. It wasn't designed originally when I wrote it yesterday from when we were recording this. I didn't anticipate the biggest news that would be announced that we're going to talk about near the top of the show. But also there's some Gamescom news and some other assortment of knowledge out there. That that, that sentence doesn't even make any sense. That's right. Uh, I forgot that Gamescom was happening, to be honest. Yeah, well. Entirely. It's probably best. You know, you don't want to go there. No. I've said many times. I tweeted out last night. I would rather have killed a man than ever go back to Gamescom ever again. <laughs> I'd rather go to prison. <laughs> you than like, go I, like to the, I like the
2: implication that you would you would rather have had the experience of killing a man rather than right. rather
1: actually killing someone. I would rather have gotten away with killing someone and have lived with it <laughs> than have ever stepped foot. <laughs> well, in Cologne, Germany. Well, it's a good thing you didn't go. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good thing. But before we begin, Chris, I wanted to show you something. I'm going to get up. Oh no! And uh, I'm always terrified over. when he shows me things. Now, that's OK. He's pulling over a box with a window on it. Okay, what? So, so this box, I just want I just want your first impressions when I open this box. Okay? OK. And I want you to just look inside it. OK. And just tell me, tell me what you think of that. What what I've what I've done in here. Those are G.I. Joe's. What the hell is this? And dude? what I've done is I've made little boxes for each of them. They're all clean. I clean them all with an extra soft toothbrush and some dial soap. <laughs> Let them dry off. <laughs> these
2: look like sarcophagus. They, they, they are. They're, they're coffins.
1: Sar- sarcophagi, I think. How do you feel about the organizational nature of what I've done with my G.I. Joe so it's, far? It's good, but also I'm terrified because it's, you know, it's a little it, crazy, these, right? they,
2: This looks like a, like a graveyard. It is. It's, <laughs> with, a great, with, it's like, my childhood graveyard. Through, with like see-through coffins with labels on them with the years. <laughs> Their birth years, but no death years because they are indeed figures.
1: Yep. They are They're and they cannot be sentient. They'll disintegrate. I just wanted to see what your first impression was. of That That was not what I was expecting at all. Did you think there was gonna be like a head in there? I don't know. Like it's seven.
2: What's in the the box?
1: Like it's seven. All right, Chris, I actually had to cut down the show a little bit from a listener perspective. I I originally had a lot of listener inquiries in this episode and Hmm. I've cut them out because I don't know if we talked about this in the past. I haven't cut them all out, but I cut some of them out. Because when I write the show on Sundays before we, we write, I, I try to make it seven pages long. And if it goes to eight pages long, the show gets too long. So I've cut some back. But I did want to begin with a few notes Okay. before we jump into this this array of news that we have, this confusing array of news that we have today. Yeah, actually, exciting. exciting. For starters, I just want to remind everyone, merch, tinyurl.com slash shirts. We're getting a lot of inquiries on that. I'm working on getting some new stuff. But shirts, sweatshirts, long sleeve shirts, all there. Custom print, you can kind of get your own shirt. Uh, size and color and then put your logo on it also if you don't have the money to you know get merch especially for our european audience and foreign audiences that to pay these ridiculous shipping fees and stuff like that i understand just go to patreon there's a post there it doesn't matter if you're a patron you can see it for free you can download high-res versions of all of collins last stand's logos to make your own merch if you'd like and I also want to remind everyone Sacred Symbols Plus is going on strong. Sacred Symbols Plus for the uninitiated is our supplemental weekly episode exclusive to Collins Last Dan's Patreon, patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. Last week's episode was a big hit, yeah. by the way. Well, well, good. We did a, an hour conversation or so about violence and violence in games, violence in media. Really great reaction to that. Remember, those episodes go live Fridays for $5 and up patrons and then the following Monday for everyone else. Uh, you need to be a patron to get those episodes at all, though. And we were going to do just a mailbag this week, but actually we're going to do something else about the studios that Sony should buy now that we have some news about a studio Sony did just buy. indeed. So we're going to get into that in a little while. Spencer Breeland wrote into us and said, hey, CNC, I need some advice how do you balance playing games, getting work done and spending time with a significant other? I've noticed since moving in with my fiance, my fiance, oh. that my time that I would play games has pretty much dwindled into maybe an hour or two a week. I haven't been able to find that proper sweet spot. And to be honest, my girl does not have an issue with me playing games. So I wouldn't say that that has been an issue. Thanks for whatever insight or tips you may have on this matter. Keep making Tuesdays great. Chris, I wanted to know if you had any insight for this gentleman yeah, about honestly, uh, how to balance all of these things. It's It's
2: weird. I don't think anybody really knows how. Because I don't know how, like sometimes I'll go like a week or two weeks without playing anything. Sometimes I'll spend a week playing something and then be like, oh shit, I should have been working. Whoops. And then like my mom will text me like four, it's been four months, Chris, where are you? Are you alive? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I was playing Days Gone. Right. (laughs) Or whatever the hell, you know. (laughs) So I don't know, man. I I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. I'm the wrong person to ask here.
1: Yeah, I'm not great about this either. I I live with my girlfriend, obviously, and... I'm probably a little neglectful of things in my life because of all of the games I play, but also because I just like quiet time. I, I We talk for a living. I don't know if you feel like this. It confuses some people in my life when I'm like, I just don't want to talk. I don't I'm actually not a very talkative person yeah. in real life. <laughs> I get it all out during these shows and then I just want to sit quietly. But it's yeah. not like David Putty on the airplane where I'm just staring at the seat in front of me. That's right. I want to. Uh, yeah, I want to. <laughs> go ahead and instead play games and read books and stuff. So it is I think this is a dance that everyone struggles with quite a bit.
2: Yeah, I think so too. I'm the same way. I think uh, in Ubers I don't I don't want to talk at all. Yeah. That's like my that's my time away from speaking. Cuz I'm in a room I'm in a house or an apartment with like a bunch of people in it all the time constantly talking. And it's just like <laughs> the Uber is just like I need I need to replenish my talk energy.
1: Are you doing the Uber? What is it? Uber Select or one of those things now where you can tell them not to talk to you? Did you have you done this? No, because I use Lyft. I just say Uber oh.
2: because it's for some reason that's like, you that's know, That's the verb. That's the or verb. That just
1: the, yeah. Ubering. Yeah. That's yeah. Verb. Yeah. Yeah. It's a noun, too. But but no, I would never do that. I, I just put my headphones on and then pretend to sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you just go in with the headphones, you hope for the best. I do love this thing on Uber, though. And again, I've mentioned in the past, I'm an Uber stockholder, So you can take what I say with a grain of salt. But uh, use Uber. Use it a lot. But they have this option now where you can tell them like not to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah, and I hate being that guy, but I got to be that guy sometimes, especially when I'm coming back from the airport. I don't want you to ask me where I've been, how I'm doing, what the temperature was like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where are you from? No, that's I'm the sorry, that's you can't, the, can't do it. That's the easiest thing for me, though, because I just be like, hey, man, I'm tired. I'm going to knock out and they're fine. I just feel like I'm rude if I, if I, I would, I guess it's kind of a little passive aggressive to tell them before you even get in the car. Yeah, shut the fuck up. I don't care
2: who you are. I don't care what you do or what your personality is. I don't care if we're
1: best friends, potentially in a different reality. I don't want to speak to you. Yeah, you can't, you can't speak (laughs) to me. I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to say, well. Spencer, good luck to you. It seems like if your fiance is not really providing the problem, then you are the problem and why you're not playing more games. I mean, some people say that their significant other stops them from playing as much games. Yeah, because you have to spend time with people who wants to do that. Yeah, right. No one wants to spend time with people anyway. Oh, God. (laughs) Bryce wrote into us and said, hey, Detective Collins. What does this mean? Detective Collins scar Scar in FBI. Is that from... uh Parks and Recreation. I have I no idea. And Chris Zeta-Jones. I don't like that.
2: I don't like that one at all.
1: Quick point about fruits and veggies from last week, he says. Oh, right. There's actually no such thing as a vegetable in science classification. What? Where fruits are the seed of a plant surrounded by a fleshy covering, vegetables are actually a grouping of leaves, stalks, roots, and fruits. So even the thing like squash, cucumbers, olives, and avocados are actually fruit of the plants they come from. Stay classy, friends. Well, all right. First of all, Bryce, I didn't ask you to be send us a botany, you know, write up here. What about the hell what a is, fruit is, is that true? Is, is that tr- I also don't know if this is true or not, but I don't think... I don't think he would lie. It doesn't seem like something that anybody would lie about. I was always under the impression things with seeds in them are fruit. So I already knew that avocados, olives, cucumbers, they're fruit. Yeah. But I don't know that I believe that a vegetable doesn't really exist.
2: I don't know. This feels like, this feels like Thanksgiving all over again. Like, what is Kale. Like when you learn about, It's like when you learn about Thanksgiving in school and then they're like, oh, they had like a, a dinner. And then like five years later, it's like, oh, that was a lie, by the way. We taught you a lie. We lied to you on purpose with taxpayer money. Here's the real thing. We killed everybody.
1: <laughs> here's the real. Here's what really went down. It's weird. Why,
2: why do schools do that? Why do they teach you incorrect information to
1: usurp it later? It's like the Santa thing, too. Y- yeah. The, doing? The Santa thing's a little different because that's just completely made up. Yeah. The first Thanksgiving did happen. I but mean, as far knows? as we know, we don't know anything about it. Well, maybe, I wonder if flat earthers believe that Santa Claus could potentially come from some arctic place the or Rim. some arctic. Because, yeah, because they say that there's like an ice wall or something, right? Yeah. Almost like Game of Thrones that surround, like that no one's ever penetrated. It's, like, who, Sky, who, who it's believes like Skyrim.
2: This is really weird. Like, who believes this? I can't in good faith believe that anybody
1: actually does believe it. It's impossible, I think, right? I think it's probably like a money laundering thing. <laughs> i found a video of these guys getting together i don't know why i was watching it they were trying to prove that the earth was flat by measuring some distance with you know like when they have the survey things that they look through the lens or whatever i don't really understand how it works but they they put these two guys like across a river from each other and then i think that the data they got proved that there was a a curvature or whatever it's like yeah there is because the earth is round fucking people chris what are we playing you here have written Titanfall 2. Yeah, I've gotten back
2: into it. Like, I got, uh, I got bit by the bug when we were playing for the Let's Play. And uh, it's as great as it's always been. What a fantastic game that nobody plays. It's a shame. Are you playing it online? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's fun. I, like, I got, I don't know, I was watching that video that we put up where we uh, <laughs> did not win. Right. The People mash. loved that video, too.
1: By the way, yeah, another Titanfall 2 Let's Play for you guys up there.
2: Yeah, that's a weird issue, by the way. Only on
1: your PlayStation do I see this. It's just me. It's just you. I think they're just targeting me at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I I uh I saw Ubisoft, for instance. Uh, they one of their guys announced their director of PR announced that they're hiring a new PR intern, or whatever. And I I was gonna respond, is that just another person that can ignore us? But I, I but I I didn't because I thought that, that would good, probably make it even worse. Right? Yeah, probably a good call. But uh, I think that we're just getting memory hold here maybe but at this point who
2: knows (laughs) who knows what's happening some random dude at respawn has it really in for you and doesn't want you to play this old game that they probably don't even have any
1: (laughs) jurisdiction over anymore by the way i didn't put this in the news but there is some drama with respawn right now oh really over apex legends did you see all this that apparently there's like a lot of quarreling going on on apex legends pretty robust reddit between developers and some of the fans over this new season that they released and these loot boxes or whatever. I just, I'm so sick of talking about these things that I didn't put it in the news. Yeah. It seemed kind of prescient considering uh, you just brought up Titanfall. Yeah. Too. Eh. Or are you playing on PC?
2: I'm kind of playing on everything. Like it's, it's in, it's on my Xbox in the living room. Uh, but in my room, it's on the PlayStation. All right. fair So enough. I'm just kind of swapping fair depending enough. on w- which environment I want to be in, I
1: guess. Chris, I've been playing Oninaki, which is the new Tokyo RPG Factory game published by Square Enix. Comes out. By the time you guys hear this, it should be about out. I'm not allowed to talk about it yet. I was actually thinking about delaying this episode a day so I could talk about it, but that's fucking nuts. So uh, we'll talk about Oninaki next week and I'll put up a Let's Play as well. You can't say week. anything about it? You can't well, say you it? Like I don't think they'd or... mind for me to say that I think it's very good. Okay. And it's really quite different than their previous games I actually think you might like it oh it's an action RPG it's not a menu based RPG it's a little obtuse but it's not like their other games I will and I will leave it there for now hmm. so that we don't break the embargo okay Chris there is a lot of news yes and there is a big piece of news that I'm sure everyone is interested in talking about that's why we're gonna get right into it instead of waiting this is only like 13 minutes into the show or so we usually we wait what 45 minutes into the show before yeah, we get into the six news hours three days Well, let's just get, as I think Phil DeFranco would say, let's just, uh, what does he say? Let's get into it. Let's jump into it. uh, Let's fill right into Phil. Man, he's still banging around. Good for him. (laughs) Number one. After literally two decades of speculation suggesting the inevitability of the move, Sony has finally and officially purchased Burbank, California-based Insomniac Games. That's me. The team behind PS4 Spider-Man, the Ratchet & Clank franchise, the Resistance trilogy, and a ton of other games Insomniac was founded way back in 1994, releasing its first game, Disruptor, on PS1 in 1996. Insomniac officially became famous two years later when, in 1998, it launched the first Spyro the Dragon game. It followed Spyro up with two more PS1 titles before jumping to Ratchet & Clank on PS2 in 2002. During the PlayStation 3 era, however, Insomniac's and Sony's relationship seemed to fray, at least a little bit. Insomniac began seeking outside funding for games under IP it controls and it released Fuse with EA in 2013, originally called Overstrike, and Sunset Overdrive with Microsoft in 2014. Beginning in 2015, Insomniac also took a long look at VR, mobile development, and smaller bite-sized console and PC development, working alongside Oculus and Facebook, as well as Game Trust, GameStop's ill-fated publishing arm. While Activision owns the publishing rights to Spyro, Sony, Sony already owned the publishing rights and IP for Ratchet and Clank and Resistance. The purchase now gives Sony's Sony Insomniac's other IP, including Fuse, Sunset Overdrive, Song of the Deep, Edge of Nowhere, Outer Knots, and others. Chris? It's a good get. Sunset Overdrive was great. What do you think of this? I like it. It's good. I mean, it's not surprising. I I was surprised. No, I'm not surprised. It makes
2: perfect sense. They made like the biggest, probably the biggest PS4 game, I think, actually, for real.
1: Yeah, it's apparently announced by Sony today, 13.2 million copies sold. And it's worth noting that there is a Game of the Year edition of Spider-Man that was listed on Amazon I think maybe pulled down, but that will be out by the end of the year as well. So this is a game that could potentially do about twenty million units.
2: Yeah, I th- it makes perfect sense to me. They seem to be a very reliable studio. I think they've only had really one major flub with Fuse, and even that really was more, I felt was more of an EA thing. It was than more anything of else. An EA thing. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm happy about it. Makes sense. Doesn't seem like it's really that big of a change, though. No. You know, obviously Spider Man's already a PS4 exclusive, so it's going to be more of what we,
1: what we're used to, really. I think that. This is a move, yeah. That's maybe I was a little surprised by it simply because I'm surprised by the timing of it. I yeah. wasn't expecting to hear about it
2: now. I, I would have expected to hear about it like PSX or something like that, like some something
1: not around Gamescom, I guess. Right. I think they did it at, on this specific day specifically to take some of the heat out of Gamescom. As there was some other interesting stuff announced during Jeff Keighley's Gamescom, mm-hmm. you know, event. He. There was some Nintendo stuff, I think. I think Ori and the Blind Forest, which is an Xbox game, is going to Switch, which is pretty interesting, and some other stuff that's happening. So I think Sony might have engineered it for that reason. But it was surprising just because I wrote a history of Insomniac that you guys can go read on IGN. It's also on Amazon, I think, as an ebook, And so I'm really very familiar with them and their history. And this isn't the first time Sony's tried to buy them. Depending on who you ask... Ted Price will pretty much never admit that they were trying to be purchased. But other people have told me on and off the record that Sony has offered them money in the past and they have basically refused. And I think that this is kind of it's like when a girlfriend and a boyfriend kind of break up for a little while and then they get back together and realize that they really love each other and want to be with each other and want to take it to the next level. Right. It's kind of what happened here, I think, because Sony and Insomniac were not getting along very well for a while. And while they were always working with each other, Microsoft was eagerly pursuing insomniac and they got sunset overdrive out of it and oculus is doing stuff with them and ea like you said and yes ea totally ruined fuse Overstrike was totally ruined by ea and that's something that people in insomniac will pretty readily admit i think at this point yeah so the big thing is is to me that yeah they're in they're in the family now they have another office a satellite office in north carolina that's where ratchet and clank is made and yes you will get another ratchet and clank game i think we've talked about this in the past yeah And so that was already happening anyway. But what this to me signals is that there's going to be a third game and possibly a PSVR game as well, because these guys actually have a lot of expertise in VR development. And I think that that's another interesting component of them. Other than Sony London, no one in the first party has any experience with VR like uh, Insomniac does. Yeah. So that's another big component of it as well. Yeah, it's a good get. I'm I'm really excited about it. It's really cool. So we're going to get Ratchet and Clank probably on PS5. We're going to get. A Spider-Man game, probably on PS5. And uh, my third guess is a Resistance game.
0: Resistance uh, a first-person VR. shooter.
1: Hopefully not a, hopefully not a VR game, but there seems to be a gap. And what I'm hearing from what Guerrilla is doing with their second team, not so sure we're going to get a kill zone game. And so this makes it... They need a first-person shooter. Sony doesn't have a first-person shooter right now. And so Resistance could be the game that comes back. Well... This is a
2: tangent, but like uh, at Gamescom, they did show more of that Predator thing, that's that Predator true. game, which is, which looks asymmetric, and the one side is first person shooting, and the other side is third person action with the Predator. That looks kind of cool. So that's that's the only first person shooter they have though right now. Yeah, that's Predator Hunting Grounds. I yeah, believe, Predator Which is second grounds. party, which is cool
1: though. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's second party, but it's exclusive, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that's an interesting kind of thing. There's a lot of interesting stuff marinating there. And of course, they're capable of making new IP, but sure. I think we I think we rely upon them for some of these other games. And I, I think it's most funny that they own, you know, Sony owns Sunset Overdrive now. So yeah. the big question now is what's going to happen with the original game. As far as I understand, Microsoft pretty much has that lockdown on console. I don't think that that game can be published on PS5 or PS4 without permission, but the sequels can be. And so... We'll see how that all shakes out as well. But I actually think that that's kind of the interesting subtext to all of this is getting Sunset Overdrive and maybe trying to do something with that as well. Although, Mm -hmm. who knows, at least getting that game, paying Microsoft to get that game on PS4 and seeing how the fans take to it since it's an Insomniac game and there's that heritage, I think would be very uh, fortuitous. Yeah, for sure. So my guess is uh, Ratchet & Clank, PS5, maybe around launch, Spider-Man 2, PS5, probably 2022, something like that. And maybe something in between those games as well. Yeah. But big get congratulations to all involved. Yeah. Ted Price is uh, already was already a millionaire, but now <laughs> he's uh, got a lot of millions of dollars. I'm uh, the financial dis- the financial arrangement was not disclosed. It's usually not. I'm curious how much money this cost. Probably well. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a decent amount. So uh, it's nice. It's good to hear. I give Ted Price a lot of credit. He really did hold on for a long time. If someone <laughs> dangled all that money in front of me, and by the way, Sony was, wasn't the only. Group that tried to buy Insomniac in the past, no. uh, you have to assume EA and Microsoft and others tried to get involved as well. They just said no over and over again. I mean that that takes a lot of balls, and it reminds me of the. the I don't know if it's true or not, but they always talk about Neogaf back <laughs> in the day. They were it was like someone offered that Tyler guy ten million dollars for Neogaf, and he turned it down. And now Neogaf's worthless. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of risk that you take. And so eventually, if I were Ted Price twenty years ago, I'd been like, "Fuck it, yeah, you, you can just have it."
2: No, exactly. So. But, like, I mean, they had... uh it seems like they have really a decent amount of confidence in what they make, so... And they should, because everything's pretty great. I agree. Coming out of there.
1: They had a little bit of a dark period there with Fuse, but again, to your point... But that literally, was really that like, was it. Yeah, that was like Sunset well. Overdrive was great. I know a lot of people were
2: like, oh, it's But, like, fuck you. You're all wrong.
1: Yeah, Sunset Overdrive is... Was a great game, and for people that... PlayStation fans that like Resistance, I find it a little weird since it's the same creative team that made both series. Yeah. Uh, Drew Murray, who's now actually at the Initiative, Xbox's big studio down here in Santa Monica, co-created the game, uh, co-created Sunset Overdrive and was the co-creative director of Resistance with Marcus Smith, who's a buddy of mine who's still at Insomniac. So, and I think was actually the creative director of the Spider-Man DLC that everyone really liked. So it'll be very interesting to see how this all goes. I wonder how, I actually have to reach out to Drew and see how he feels because... (laughs) You know, Sunset Overdrive was his baby. And um, it all kind of worked out strange, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, congratulations to all those guys and everyone involved. This brings a lot of uh, stability to the studio. And I will also say, Chris, that as far as I understand, this isn't the last studio that will be announced. That no, Sony I will don't be think buying. so. <laughs> I think there's going to be more. I think it's, if not imminent, it's going to be by the end of the year. You're going to hear of a few more studios. And I keep hearing Remedy. Remedy. I think they probably will. Now I think a buddy, they probably will buy it. Now, a friend of mine, it's interesting, sent me a tweet from a guy who worked at Remedy. I don't know if it was the uh, like social media manager, a marketing guy or whatever that tweeted out a congratulations to James Stevenson, who was a buddy of mine, who's the marketing guy at Insomniac. And people are like, huh, that's weird. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I think, I think Remedy is going to join the family, but we're going to find out. That's that's interesting. I think it's, we'll see. We'll see what's going on. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Number two. This is also an interesting one mm-hmm. on the back of Sony's acquisition of Insomniac comes a very, very interesting quote from Sean Layden, the head of all of Sony's dozen plus fully owned studios around the world. Here's what he told Bloomberg, quote, we must support the PlayStation platform. That is non-negotiable. That said, you will see in the future some titles coming out of my collection of studios, which may need to lean into a wider install base and quote. That's all he said. Mm-hmm. What do you make of that? I think that means PC, probably. I think so, too. I think people that are reading into this as Xbox or whatever, I think are reading it wrong. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think you're going to see it with Death Stranding, but other games as well coming to PC and PS4 or PS5 at the same time in order to expand that install base. I don't think that hurts them to do that. But this is the first time I've seen anyone at Sony acknowledge this. Yeah, they never talk. They're about usually that.
2: pretty tight lipped about it and very protective.
1: Yep. And again, as we said in the past, there have been experiments. Journey is now out on PC Which I think Flower is out on PC too, Helldivers, and obviously the Quantic Dream second party games are out as well. usually smaller ones. Right. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, I think that this is setting the stage for Death Stranding specifically, but I don't really understand why because I thought that they announced it was coming to PC originally. We talked about this last week. Mm -hmm. People are making a big to-do about this,
2: but I'm pretty
1: sure this from the beginning was known. I don't remember that being
2: announced, but I, I, I also remember not being surprised by it. So it's weird. I don't know. Maybe they did, but I didn't see it. We'll find out. We'll see.
1: Well, all this Insomniac news, as I said earlier, is going to feed Sacred Symbols Plus episode three that goes live this Friday uh, and will be live Monday for all patrons the following Monday, obviously, all of this. So we're going to get into that. I'm going to talk about the five studios I think Sony should buy next. Chris is going to talk about them. We've also solicited, oh, hit the mic, your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas about that. So that's going to be a fun episode to do. Yeah. And kind of almost makes moot already. Our we Insomniac is now in the mix and we already did our draft. So we're going to have to revisit that as well right that's right yeah once everything settles at the end of the year and a few teams probably join the family then we can do it again and see what happens because insomniac obviously would bubble up that list high although just real quick chris where do you put them in in your list i I don't think that they're at the i think it's probably still naughty dog santa monica sucker punch in that upper echelon and i'd put insomniac oh i'd put them above sucker
2: i'd put them above sucker punch but but below naughty dog and santa monica
1: and gorilla of course is in there as well keep forgetting about them Mostly because they're European and we don't think about Europe very much.
2: <laughs> I just think they have, they're really, they're, their skill set is very diverse. They've, they've shown competency in a lot of different genres. Indeed. Well, this is
1: exciting. Yeah. Is, I, I meant to look into this, but I don't think Sony has purchased a studio since 2011. I could be wrong about that, mm-hmm. but I think this is the first acquisition in eight years. Sucker Punch, I think, was the last studio they bought. They bought Sucker Punch after Infamous 2 came out. And I don't think that they purchased anything else since then. They founded a few studios. Yeah. That's about it. You could be right. Number three, this was originally the lead story, and this is already a big story, but not anymore now. (laughs) This is no longer the lead story of our show. Electronic Arts owned BioWare, the studio most famously behind the Mass Effect trilogy and most recently behind the loop-based shooter Anthem, has lost a couple of important pieces of their team over the last week. For starters, Ben Irving, the producer of the ill-fated Anthem, is leaving BioWare after eight years. Irving noted on Twitter that he's leaving BioWare in order to accept a position at another company, though it's unclear as of now where he's headed. Prior to producing Anthem, Irving worked for a long time on BioWare's long-running MMO, Star Wars The Old Republic. Making matters even worse is that BioWare is also losing Fernando Mello, the producer of Dragon Age 4. Mello likewise announced uh, the move on Twitter and had worked at the company even longer than Irving for 12 years. Mello was the producer of both Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age 2. He was also a production he has also production credit on Mass Effect Andromeda. Unlike Irving, Mello says he's taking a bit of time off so he can disconnect. Though with a long history in the industry far predating his time at BioWare, Mello once worked at 2K on the publisher side on games like BioShock. It's likely he's ready to land somewhere else or he will be, will be able to land somewhere else once he's ready. Basil Frank wrote into us and said, greetings, Crackling Colin and Crispy Chris. Now, I have a problem with this simply because I think it would be better. Crispy Colin and Crackling Chris, I think, is actually a a better.
2: It's it's better like uh, syllable symmetry, I would say.
1: I agree. About two months ago or so, I asked if BioWare was in trouble because of the poor reception of Anthem, even though it had good sales. Your answer was that BioWare would be fine. Now the lead producer on Anthem left as their game-changing event launched. And he put game changing in quotes. Does your answer still remain the same? And what do you think this means for Dragon Age 4? As always, gents, keep up the best show and for- and don't forget to pack away the dumbbells. Don't be that person at the gym. I mean, do you really, really think that I'm going to the gym? Chris used to go to the gym, but I'm not hearing about this very much. <laughs> no, I,
0: don't. Chris I fell off it a little yeah, bit.
1: A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Just a tad. Do I stand by it? Basil wants to know. I don't think Ant- I don't think BioWare's in trouble, but what do you think about their producers? They've lost their two yeah. lead producers basically on their two games. Anthem and Dragon Age 4, both producers are gone. One seems to have been poached. I don't know what the other it, it, well, one is. Yeah, so- it, it,
2: you have to look at it as like, you know, BioWare's fine as a studio. They're going to be around. That's what we that's I think what we were saying. Yes. You know, Dragon Age 4 might have a problem now. For sure, I think. But it could be, I don't know how I don't know how late that game really is in development also. So, people leave studios all the time and the studios remain. And that's, you know, Bioware's fine. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, Anthem was so terrible. Like, I don't know. Like I'm surprised this is only happening now, to be honest. I'm surprised it took this long.
1: So- I would have left immediately. I'm, I'm like, yo, yeah. I need, I'll see you later. <laughs> I'm somewhat surprised that he seems to have been poached. That was, I mean, no offense to him. He, he's got, a, Ben Irving's got a lot of experience, but... If i were making a game i'd be like i don't think i want the producer of anthem working on their team but but maybe it's not his fault but production is really important Mm -hmm. and yeah losing a producer is bad it would be much worse if they lost their creative director or their designers and stuff like that but the producer for people that don't know in video games is the guy that kind of well it's very similar in film but he's the guy that makes it happen he's the guy that lives or the girl that lives in spreadsheets that's always on the phone that's making sure people hit schedules that's making things happen it's It's the he's the coordinator of the team. And so losing that is really detrimental to a team. Now, Irving leaving Bioware indicates to me that Anthem is winding down completely and that he doesn't have a role there anymore. Yeah. And was maybe allowed to find another job. But the guy leaving Dragon Age is not a good not a good uh, look. No, see how it all goes. I don't think Dragon Age is anywhere near being done. So I don't know if it matters that much, but. That was the biggest story until all this stuff with Insomniac happened, because that, that happened within, I think, three or four days of each other, those two guys left. Yeah. Is it a coincidence? I don't know. I don't know if it's a coincidence. doesn't seem like it, but you know, weirder things have happened.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. That's, that's a huge sinking ship, that <laughs> the, the, the Anthem thing. I think it's, uh, even if you're being nice about it, you know, you can't pretend like that's not like a huge disaster. And I don't know, I'm surprised, I'm surprised it just took this long. For any for anybody to leave or like whatever,
1: it just seems weird. But I think that that shows the stability to Basil's question. So shows some level of stability that people were not. Yeah, the, the I guess team, team wasn't that's just th- let go when the game came out. Well, yeah, I guess what happens so. when games fail?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. So I think Bioware will be around though for a while. I think I don't think anybody needs to worry about that.
1: Anthem is one of the top five best selling games of the year. Yeah, just to put that into context for you guys. It's so just even a critical failure, right? Even if the game. Failed critically, like Chris was saying, you could make the argument that they might be saving money <laughs> by by the game not being big in a weird way, because they don't have to support it for years. They're going to start dwindling down the, the community management and the uh, and yeah. servers and all that kind of stuff, presumably. So you could make the argument on their books that they sold sixty dollars copies of Anthem, probably to the tune of like ten million of them, and they're like, all right, well, bye. You know, but I th- yeah. I, I think that they're supporting it because they have to optically. Yeah.
0: in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com.
1: Here's an interesting one. Number four, PS4 exclusive game Erica, first announced way back in 2017, has reemerged and better yet, it's available to download on PlayStation Network right this very minute. Sony describes Erica as an interactive thriller in quotes, very much in the same vein as Quantic Dream's or Supermassive games, only far cheaper, shorter and less involved. The game is only 9.99. The game is totally live action with different choices to make and paths to take and was developed by British team Flavorworks, who obnoxiously put a U in their name. <laughs> Sony originally announced Erica on the PlayStation blog way back in October of 2017, and we've heard very little of the game since. Some people thought it may have turned to vaporware, but here it is. So Erica, for those of you who are wondering, that game actually started to pop up the last couple of weeks. There were rumors that it was ready to go, and here it is. It's available on PSN right now if you want to go check it out. It was originally supposed to be playable on your phone with via the PS4, There's another game that uh, Aaron and I were playing. I can't remember it, what what it's called, but it's another one of these interactive thrillers where you download an app. I actually have the app on my phone. It's called Hidden Agenda. Weird. And Sony was trying to make this thing called PlayLink, which is very similar to what they do with Jackbox Party, which is really cool, where you play on your phone and you put the codes in. Jackbox is great. Yeah, it's awesome. So it's a really nice idea, but apparently they've removed that functionality for this. You have to download an app that's specific to Erica, or you have to use the controller. But... I don't know if it's gonna be any good. I'm yeah, sure reviews will pop up. I don't soon. know. It, I I remember hearing a
2: bunch of people like, wow, Erica's finally coming out. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like I didn't I don't remember this at all. People were like, oh, remember when they announced
1: this? I was like, no. No, we don't remember. We, <laughs> we don't much remember Erica.
2: No. But here but it I mean, is. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's great. I don't know. The, the, I, I just the, this whole interactive, like, live action thing is not exactly my scene, I feel like. I don't know if I'm really all that into it. I remember they they did the uh, Black Mirror. Bandersnatch thing on Netflix. And I was like, I'm never going to
1: think about this again. Yeah, I didn't like it very much. (laughs) No. Although it use Thompson Twins hold me now in very powerful ways, which I liked. Number five, European mega publisher THQ Nordic has acquired two new studios outright. Oh, yes. As well as minority investments in five others, according to press releases posted by the company. For starters, the publisher has purchased Italian developer Milestone, a sizable team in Milan, best known for its racing games in the long running Moto Chibi franchise. Now, they really seem obsessed with getting racing studios. I don't know if anyone's noticed this yet, Mm -hmm. but there's like five different racing studios that THQ actually owns now. And MotoGP is a pretty well-received franchise, so they own them now. They've also developed a ton of other racing titles dating all the way back to the mid-90s. The publisher also purchased Gunfire Games, the American team in Texas, that started working with uh, first with Deep Silver and later THQ Nordic with Darksider 2's re-release, as well as Darksiders 3, which came out last year. Interestingly, THQ Nordic has also purchased a group called Goodbye Kansas Game Invest, which is a fund that owns minority shares in four small Swedish studios as well as a Danish team. Palindrome Interactive, working on a strategy game called Immortal Realms Vampire Wars. Fall Damage, a team that recently released a strategy game called Battlege. Neon Giant, a team working on a yet unannounced steampunk game. Cavalry, a studio working on an equestrian game, like a horse game. And Frame Bunker, uh, the lone non-Swedish studio in the bunch, a team working on a tactical shooter called Static Sky. Chris, you find this... Quite funny.
2: I, I just, I don't know. This whole thing is so interesting with THQ Nordic. It just puts a smile on my face because I just imagine this dude in like a really tall chair who just acquires all these studios and they, you're all making racing games. And they put him in like a Hunger Games kind of says like, you make the best one, you survive, you move to the next round. <laughs> Or, like, whatever the hell. I feel like
1: I'm going to go home for Christmas one day and my parents are going to tell me my dog was bought by THQ Nordic. It's very weird, man. They have investors that really believe in them. They're, they're profitable, apparently, with what they're doing and they're investing in these studios and they're probably getting them for cheap, too. Yeah, um, I, mean, I mean, they're
2: pumping stuff out, too. So, I mean, like, I mean Destroy All Humans is actually a thing, which I didn't expect. So, right. I mean, good for them, I guess. But it's just so interesting that just, it just keeps happening.
1: I'm most interested in their minority. They bought minority shares in these teams. So in five of these teams. So what that says to me, too, is that when each of these teams releases a game, if it's good, they'll just scoop up the team entirely. But it seems like they're really interested in some weird stuff like, well, I guess not weird, but more niche stuff, the racing series and then Darksiders, which is kind of a niche game. And then the Goodbye Kansas Game Invest, they're getting a strategy game, two strategy games, a steampunk game, an equestrian racing game. And a tactical shooter. Like a horse racing game? Yeah. Okay. All the right. team Cavalry in Sweden is working on an equestrian game called Equestrian. <laughs> so, I don't know. Like, I'm really wondering, like, how much did it cost to buy... Just for instance, how much does it cost to buy gunfire games in Texas? They made Darksiders 3. Uh, does that cost $5 million to buy the team? Like, to buy the team? You know? I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't even know how to... uh Appropriate that value, as opposed to Insomniac. Like I'm just throwing a, n- a, m- a number out, but I I would think Insomniac was purchased for somewhere in the region of thirty to forty million dollars. Really? Like yeah. Shit, that's pretty high. We'll see. I mean, maybe I'm totally off, but that no, I mean, seems about know. right to me. I mean, I've never I've, never, a 13, spent, I mean, I've like, never spent a million dollars on anything. So yeah, well, <laughs> so first we have to have a million dollars. Yeah, exactly. There's more THQ Nordic news, and it just gets even weirder from here. Oh, good. So everyone, buckle in. Number six, THQ Nordic has revealed that Dead Island 2, first announced way back at E3 in 2014, My God. has moved on to its third developer. Fourth, if you count the fact that Techland was originally supposed to develop it, but opted to develop Dying Light instead. Wise move, Techland. Yeah. Wise move. Dead Island 2's first developer, German team Jaeger, the guys behind the wonderful Spec Ops The Line, were removed from developing the game in the summer of 2015 by Deep Silver, the publisher of the original Dead Island, who was later gobbled up by the <laughs> aforementioned THQ Nordic. So, just to kind of catch everyone up, De- Deep Silver was a publisher, is still a publishing arm. They had the publishing rights to Dead Island and then THQ Nordic bought them, okay? So they all oh, a lot of stuff came with them. So that's easy enough to understand. British Mega Studio Sumo Digital took over from there, the guys behind Little Big Planet 3 and a ton of other games, and were in charge of development for seemingly 4 years or so. Now, that's no more, according to THQ Nordic's recent financials. Which note that Dambuster Studios has been entrusted, in quotes, with the franchise, and are now leading the charge on Dead Island 2's development. Dambuster Studios, located in England, has its heritage in Crytek UK, which was known before then as Free Radical, the team behind the original two Time Splitters games as well as the Crisis trilogy. As as Dambuster, owned at the time by Deep Silver and now by THQ Nordic, the team put out the woefully inadequate Homefront the Revolution in 2016. So the guys that made Homefront the Revolution are now making Dead Island 2, which has been in development now for f- six, six years, over f- three or four teams. So it's going to be great, I'm sure. There's uh,
2: there's something kind of poetic about a zombie game that refuses to die. Mm,
1: there is. very Makes nicely sense. Put, very nicely put. I think they should put a bullet in that game's head.
2: Oh, yeah. Kill it. <laughs> because Dying Light was already way better than the, than Dead Island 2 I, was looking. Yeah, so. that's the
1: weird thing, is that the, the magic in Dead Island was Techland, and Techland was wise enough to fuck off. So they, uh, what a wise did decision. You, did you like Dead Island 1? Uh, no, not I really. I hated it, not really. Genuinely. Not really. Which, which was shocking that Dying Light was so good. Too many things to open. That's what I remember about it. There was always shit to open. It was like a bunch of suitcases and boxes everywhere to open. It was too, it, yeah. it scratched my OCD in bad ways. Let's I put that keep,
2: I just I keep hearing about Dead Island 2 and I keep being surprised that it's alive still.
1: It was a nice embryonic thing. It reminds me of Assassin's Creed 1 or something where they're always like, oh, we're on to something interesting here. And then they're like, yeah, the, the something we're on to is Dying Light, which was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And they went with a different publisher. They just went with WB. And now I think Techland is publishing Dying Light 2 by itself. So what a wise decision they made to get the fuck out of there because they would be in THQ Nordic's tractor beam at this point. <laughs> and who knows if they would have <laughs> even survived. Yeah. Although maybe Dead Island 2 would have just become Dying Light or vice versa rather. But anyway, I think you should just kill this game. If you want to do a Dead Island 2, just just start it again in the future. But you got to let it go for now. It doesn't make any, this doesn't make any sense. No. It, how can this game possibly be any good? Um, no offense to Damn Buster, but they didn't do a very good job with Homefront the Revolution. I can't even believe they exist. So it, yeah, it's less we'll about see. the talent involved and more about the fact
2: that it's just so poorly, mis- it's just so mismanaged. And the fact that it's been, I don't know how something can maintain any kind of voice or identity after being shipped from so many different developers.
1: It's very weird. Very, very weird. But THQ Nordic seems to understand what it's doing. Can you imagine somebody sends you their podcast and you have to pick
2: up somebody else's random podcast? Like, how would you do that? You wouldn't, would you?
1: You'd be like, what the hell is this? No, I want to do my own fucking podcast. Not unless you wanted the business really bad. I'm interested what Sumo Digital has been doing for four years with the game. Sumo Digital is not a bad studio. They're actually a really massive studio in Britain. And they employ like hundreds and hundreds of people and have a what bunch are of stuff going. on on Crackdown? Yeah, they made Crackdown 3. They made a little big Planet 3. They work on a bunch of Forza stuff from yeah. Microsoft. They're not a bad studio. They've been mm-hmm. around for a long time. And so this was going to be their big game. And by yeah. the way, we mentioned Sumo Digital not not more than a few weeks ago, Chris. It's not as if they're in trouble. They just announced that they bought studios themselves. Sumo Digital? Yeah. So we, we talked about it, I think, just a couple of weeks That's ago. Right. They bought a, f- a couple of small teams. So they're not struggling. So this is a weird one. And Sumo Digital said in a release that I read that this was planned. Yeah, Okay. Weird. Yeah, you planned on making the game for four years and then giving it to another team. That's a weird plan. (laughs) I don't know. If the game was anywhere close to being done, they would have finished it. I have no fucking clue what Damn Buster is going to do. And if, again, Homefront the Revolution is any indication, don't keep your hopes very high. Bad game. And no one loved Homefront more than me. No one loved Homefront more than me, because really? it was kind I, of a fever dream. The premise me. was great. I also, remember that, but also that was about that was about it. John Millius wrote it, which is uh. fucking dope as shit. The guy who wrote Red Dawn and Apocalypse Now. Was the story good? Yeah, uh, yeah, the story's cool. You know, but the game is like yeah, yeah. The game was just made. So the game, the original Homefront, for people that don't know, is made by a studio called Chaos, K A O S. And what was interesting about them was that they were in New York City, which is a very weird and very expensive place for a studio to be. And the original THQ owned them and shut them down after Homefront. So if they just survived a little bit longer, THQ Nordic would have bought them and they might still be alive. And then we would have gotten a better Homefront game probably. But alas. They probably would have survived if they weren't in New York City. Yeah. Way too expensive. To, way too expensive. Some might call it a chaotic place to have <laughs> a studio. Oh, <sighs> terrible. James Kinzel III wrote into us. He said, what would it take for THQ Nordic to pick up the Dead Space IP? I'm sure EA would have to be willing to sell it, but if EA isn't going to do anything with it, why not make a few bucks off of it by selling it? I don't really know if THQ Nordic could do right by Dead Space, but I'm such a devout fan of the series, Dead Space 3 included, that at this point, I'd love to see anything to do with Dead Space.
2: Give it a few years. I'm sure they'll accidentally scoop it up like everything else they're buying.
1: I think EA will just revive it at this point. But without no. the studio that made it, I don't know how valuable Dead Space is anymore. And you guys got to remember that, that. uh why can't I think of the studio's name? Visceral. They're no more. So Dead Space would make a badass show, honestly. It would be. Yeah, it would. And, and we haven't even gotten a remaster no. or a re-release of the franchise, which I think is really strange. I think it might be backwards compatible on Xbox, but we can't play it on PlayStation 4, which frustrates me because... I really, really dig the original Dead Space. It's a really fantastic game. It's a game. great game. It's been 10 years since that game came out. 10 years. Wow, oh, what a great game. Dude, do you know Arkham Asylum's 10-year anniversary is like in a few days? That's disgusting. Isn't that horrifying? <laughs> I, I remember playing that game as an adult, so now I'm really getting old.
2: We're Yeah, we're hurtling deeper and deeper into the seething
1: abyss. By the way, Chris, I tweeted out today that I really believe now Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tells us we have 12 years left on this planet right until things get really bad I really believe that if we try hard enough we can get that number down to 11 or even 10 years
2: yeah I would agree
1: I'd if be we happy with put that. our minds to it we could <laughs> fuck it up even quicker <laughs> than we were already fucked up the planet one can dream it's like with Apophis that big asteroid that might hit us in 10 years oh yeah yeah it's like just do it that might Ugh, I hate one in a hundred thousand But as Nate Silver will remind you, if you ever listen to the 538 podcast, that literally means that one in 100,000 times it will happen. It doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. Number eight, (laughs) we are a dire bunch, are we not? (laughs) Number eight, publisher Electronic Arts has officially revealed the new Need for Speed game. It's been teasing for months. It's called Need for Speed Heat, and it's coming to PS4 and elsewhere on November 8th later this year. The newest Need for Speed game is developed by Swedish EA-owned team Ghost Games, who created 2013's Need for Speed Rivals, 2015's Need for Speed, and 2017's Need for Speed Payback. According to Wikipedia, this is the 24th game in the series. I didn't know that. Need for Speed Heat takes place in Palm City, which appears to be based on Miami, and is all about street racing. It looks pretty. It looks pretty cool, but I, I'm I don't get excited about Need for Speed games anymore. Yeah, it's been a it's been a hot minute. Hot Pursuit, <laughs> Hot Pursuit Two was the last one that I really loved, and that was uh, 17 years ago. I can't I can't do <laughs> I can't do car games, man.
2: I can't give me a burnout again, and I'll be all over it. But like, I don't know. Need for Speed was fine. I, I know a lot of uh, my roommates are like really big fans of Need for Speed, and they got and they lost interest when they dropped split screen. So I don't know how much this whole open world like collectibles, upgrade your car thing is really going to entice anybody who isn't already on board for it.
1: You know, we'll see how it goes. By the way, I apologize for this, Chris. I skipped a story about THQ Nordic to get to that need for speed news. Oh, my God. So we got to go back. Oh, damn it. In the wake of the weird Dead Island 2 news comes more positive developments hey. for THQ Nordic. The publisher has confirmed that a fourth game in 4A Games Metro Series is underway. 4A's previous three Metro games, 2010's Metro 2033, 2013's Metro Last Light, and 2019's Metro Exodus were all increasingly well-received critically and commercially, so a new game makes sense, though it's unclear if they will continue to be based on the Metro 2033 Russian book series. Just real quick here, I was looking into this, I don't know why I didn't know this, but 4A games is independent. They're not owned by anyone. I thought that they were owned by Deep Silver and then absorbed by THQ Nordic, but they remain an independent studio, so they are working with THQ Nordic by choice which I think is interesting. I wonder if uh, they will be gobbled up at any point in the future. Also worth noting that they've apparently completely left Ukraine now. We were talking about that, I think, a week or two ago on the show. Where are they now? They're in Malta now. They've moved the entire team there, apparently. So they're no longer in Kiev. So they are now in a safer place where they can make their games in peace. Where was I? Oh, here he is. Likewise, and perhaps not surprisingly, Volition, the American team best known for both Saints Row and Red Faction, is working on a new Saints Row game, and it's apparently well into development. Finally, Steve Ellis, the co creator of Time Splitters, which THQ Nordic has recently acquired as its very own, has joined the publisher to lead the IP's resurrection. Ellis was a programmer on the original Time Splitters, directed and produced the sequel, and Time Splitters Future Perfect. He was, or that's what it's called, right? Future Perfect? Yeah. Uh-huh. He has also worked at Rockstar on Grand Theft Auto 4 and Red Dead Redemption. I actually also think he worked on a Haze, which I also think you, which you love so much. <laughs> so Volition is owned by THQ Nordic, but, but 4A Games isn't. I think that's how I understand it. Not a huge surprise that there's a new Saints Row game coming up. They wasted a lot of time with that Agents of Mayhem game. I really think that they probably should have just made a new Saints Row game because, Saints Row kind of fills the gap that Grand Theft Auto is leaving behind in a lot of different ways. It's a zanier version of Grand Theft Auto for sure. But as Grand Theft Auto moves more into the ubiquitous multiplayer realm, there is no more single player, zany, crazy, open world driving and destroying shit game. Saints Row can move in. I actually think that this is a potentially massive franchise for THQ Nordic if they can do this right. Oh, yeah. Maybe the biggest thing they have. Saints Row could sell 10 million units. It's just a matter of them making a fantastic game and marketing it as a Grand Theft Auto replacement. I think it's important that they do that.
2: Yeah. No, I would agree. It's been a while since I've played Saints Row, though. Me too. I, I, mean, I, mean, I can't remember if I ever. I can't remember if I liked it or not.
1: It's it's weird. Like I like checkbox games and it really does feed that need that I have. Mm-hmm. That need for speed is a word. You know, kind of tie know. into the other thing. But Chris, not everything was bad with THQ Nordic. I wanted to read some of that stuff out. That's fair. I mean, I don't think anything's bad with THQ Nordic. They're buying a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I mean, they're
2: getting stuff done. It's not like they aren't. It's it's, It's just so comical. Just the amount of shit that they own.
1: What was it? Something like 75 games in development? Insane. Probably more. And they must own at this point... I don't know. I'd have to count, but maybe like 30 teams. Something like that. I mean, that's twice as big as Sony's first party. Now, I will make it clear that they don't own anything as good as half of Sony's teams. But that's still a really big first party to, to produce. You have to have producers dealing with all this stuff from your publisher. Yeah. This is a big... <laughs> it's a it's big, not like these teams are just making these games. They have to like... It's a big operation for be, sure. It's a very big operation. I
2: am not going to say it's a money laundering
1: scheme. So I won't say that. But you're not not going to say I'm that. not saying that yeah. is what I'm saying. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Chris, the next piece of news, number nine. By the way, before I even get into this, I read something on... To, to, you always make these jokes, right? You're the funny guy on our show. Oh, God. And people are sitting God you know, help I, us. I've read a few comments where people are like, Colin, why don't you laugh more at Chris's jokes? And I'm like, don't you need a straight man? Isn't that what yeah. makes the show good? No, exactly. I can't be hollering at fucking everything Chris says, guys. <laughs> Can you
2: imagine? That'd be, that'd be that would be horrible. I've heard Colin laugh for real. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's even worse than that, if you could believe it. You don't want to hear me laugh. You yeah, don't you want to really be.
1: You want, There are a few things you don't want. You don't want me to be happy. You yeah. don't want to hear me laugh. There's a reason the universe <laughs> erases all joy from Colin's existence. I'm just gonna continue to put GI Joes in coffins. <laughs> this literally looks like the back of an aircraft carrier with with coffins in it that they're gonna just drop into the ocean. You know it's a I mean? hearse without wheels, dude. <laughs> Number nine. PUBG, also known as PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, essentially began the Battle Royale craze when it launched back in late 2017, finally migrating to PlayStation 4 in December of 2018. However, the game was still limited in the sense that it didn't support cross-platform play. Well, now it will. PUBG Corporation announced at Gamescom that beginning in October, PUBG will be fully cross-playable between Xbox One and PlayStation 4. Better yet, a beta will be available to the public at some point in late September, preempting the full rollout. Too little, too late? That's a,
2: I mean, I, I'm, I like crossplay. I'm glad it exists. I can't stand that game.
1: So, I don't care. I still think it's amazing that one of the dudes from Sledgehammer went to PUBG in order to make a single-player game. I'm, I'm are they re- doing that, they actually, are doing, still? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be years from now when it's ready. That's the thing I'm confused about. Will PUBG even survive long enough to have this single-player game in the universe released? I'm, I don't know.
2: I'm sure it will. You know, I'm sure it's got, every game's got its dedicated... Group of people playing. I just I, I just don't understand it, man. It just blows my mind. It's just not something that I can even comprehend enjoying.
1: Weird connection. The guy who's writing the game for PUBG wrote Dead Space. Ho! Ho! Maybe that that will be the Dead Space sequel. <laughs> you added a PUBG single player campaign. God help us all. I'm a down, I'm, I am keep an open mind to any single player campaign. As long as I don't have to talk to anyone. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just don't talk to me. And I, you know, like the division two is not a single player game, but it, it was for me. Yeah. I, like you see the little thing flashing like an agent needs your help. I'm like, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> the Flash 2189 wrote into us on Patreon, Chris. He says, hey, oh, he says, hello, Colonel Colin and Corporal Chris. That means you're a little bit lower than me. Actually, a lot lower than me. Okay. Corporal, I think is barely higher than private, right? Colonel is like uh, pretty much higher. Colonel's like,
2: up, pretty damn high yeah. and Corporal is not, not that high.
1: I think it's like private, specialist, and then corporal, something like that. Something like that. I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about.
2: Yeah. I've never been shipped off to war, so.
1: Well, not yet. Yeah. I want to know your thoughts on the current state of the gaming industry. Is the future of gaming in an upswing, economically speaking? Will it have the longevity to stay relevant in the culture of media? And lastly, is gaming media or slash journalism going to change, or will it stay the same as it is? Your show gets me through my three-mile runs and monotonous job of putting things on shelves at night. Now, he says TAGA. Now, this is Tuesday's are great again, I assume. But it's keeping Tuesdays great. I want to be clear about that. The Flash. Tuesdays, America, great again. I think he's saying Tuesdays are great again, which I appreciate. But now we are keeping Tuesdays great. I want to repeat that. We are keeping Tuesdays great. And now we're making Friday's great again. It's all fucked up. Yeah, it's
2: it's, a do. We might as well just go for the
1: whole week. We are making life tolerable sometimes. Again, vaguely. Yeah. Uh, All right. I want to focus mainly on what the Flash is saying about the economic viability of the industry, Chris, because... We're going to talk about something really important. I actually want to preempt his question with another piece of news that I think will tell us a little bit about the health of the industry. Number 10. In a previous episode not too long ago, we discussed the possibility that tariffs on imports from China could affect American gamers by making video game consoles more expensive, a particularly troubling development on the eve of next gen as virtually all video game consoles are made in China, or as Donald Trump would call it, China, right? China. 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 (laughs) There it is. That's pretty... (laughs) That was pretty good. That was better than I thought it would be. That was really good. I liked it. Yeah, you had like the soft inflection in your voice. Do it again. Uh, oh,
2: no, you're putting me on the spot all now. Right, chay
1: Ch- China. <laughs> China. Yeah. China. <laughs> Let like me tell China. you something. China is really bad, okay? Yeah, that's pretty good. I don't know. That's not bad at all. I like that. However, the Office of the U.S. Trade Representative released a statement reaffirming some tariffs while assuring that others, including any of video game consoles, wouldn't go into effect on September 1st, as previously announced. A 10% tariff will be raised on $300 billion of Chinese imports to the U.S. beginning on September 1st, but will be delayed until December 15th for an entire group of products, quote, For example, cell phones, laptop computers, video game consoles, certain toys, computer monitors, and certain items of footwear and clothing, end quote. In other words, the things people buy by the billions of dollars during the holiday season. So this could have a really, really bad impact on video games if this actually happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, 10% import on a $300 console means that the console becomes $330. If you're paying $500 for the new PlayStation, that will be $550 with the tariff. So will they go into effect or not? We're in a full-fledged trade war now with China, and I know that this isn't a political podcast and also trading is boring to talk about. But basically... We are upping the ante over and over again, and it seems like once we're through Black Friday and the holiday season that these tariffs might indeed go into effect. So if that happens, there are options. The the, the manufacturers have options, but I don't know that they can act quickly enough. Not to be facetious, but I I am really into G.I. Joe now, as we've been talking about, and Hasbro owns G.I. Joe, and I've been reading about how they're moving all of their plants to India because it's cheaper and they don't have to deal with all of this, or it's as cheap, I guess, and they don't have to deal with all this shit with the communists there. Yeah. So, I assume that Sony and Microsoft and the other guys could maybe go to Vietnam or Malaysia or something at some point. But Foxconn makes all these consoles in China, the mega corporation, and I would assume that these orders are already placed, that the microchips are already ordered, that the thing is already assembled in some
2: Capac- crude in way. Some capacity, yeah. yeah.
1: I don't know that they can do anything about it at this point. So. It's weird, but this really could come down on us. And, and it means that your iPhones are going to cost more. It's gonna, it means that your computers and your laptops are going to cost more. If you're a toy collector, those will probably cost more. It's a lot of shit going on. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But you are, tariffs are going to affect on September 1st in the United States, but not on things that are really expensive, apparently. So, What, what does that mean? What's the relative to that? Well, I think that they're going to put tariffs on like soy And shit like that, you know what I mean? Like right, right. And beef and whatever, okay. But but, and steel maybe or something, but not on consumer goods yet. And yet that will probably change after the holiday season. Because, and again, I don't want to get too political, but the only thing that's going to let Donald Trump win the election is if the economy holds. And there's a lot of evidence that it's not going to hold, including the inversion rate. I think is what they're calling it, which is really interesting that apparently predicts recessions 100% of the time, which is really staggering when you look at that statistic. Apparently, always predicts a recession, this particular inversion. Well, that's uncomfortable. When I think it's something like, I was was listening to a podcast yesterday, it's interesting. It's something like there are short-term and long-term government bonds. And when people are putting their money into long-term bonds at a higher rate than short-term bonds, it means that people in the know expect that there's gonna be a downturn and that the downturn basically happens. And so people are putting their money away for longer periods of time, expecting that there's no positive investments that they can make in the short term. So that's basically what what it is. If, in case anyone follows that, I don't know if yeah. anyone cares. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Number eleven. Video, one, video oh, games sorry. are canceled.
1: Video games are canceled. Well, hey, it's good if you own a PS Four. See, this is the interesting thing. If I already think they're going to have a hard time selling people on these new consoles, and they're going to have a really hard time selling them with a new tax. Yeah, for sure. And it's not a literal tax, by the way. Sony could absorb the tax, but they're not going to. If, if someone to me was like, hey, Collins last stand is now going to absorb a 10% tax on behalf of all of your audience just because you're doing business with people overseas, I'd be like, well, I'm not paying that. So <laughs> some, <laughs> yeah, well, so someone else can. goodbye later. <laughs> number 11, Chris, the MPD group, which tracks video game software sales in the United States, has released its data for July of 2019. You have to know that this episode is pretty chock full if the MPD is all the way at number 11. Yeah, by the way. Not too bad. NPD tracks retail sales as well as digital sales for a vast majority of titles. The best-selling game in the US in July was Madden NFL 20, followed by three Switch exclusives, Fire Emblem Three Houses, Super Mario Maker 2, and Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, which I bought for my nephew, so I contributed to the Switch problem. Indeed, Switch exclusives make up six of the top 10 games sold. Wow. Other notable games include Minecraft at five, Grand Theft Auto 5 at six, Mortal Kombat 11 at eight. It's like a lot of numbers. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man at 11, MLB 19, The Show at 17. Just counting PS4 Software, the top 10 best-selling games in the U.S. in July were in order. Madden NFL 20, Minecraft, GTA 5, Spider-Man, MLB 19, The Show, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, Mortal Kombat 11, Days Gone, Crash Team Racing, Nitro Fueled, and Red Dead Redemption 2. Mortal Kombat 11 is 2019's best-selling game so far, with Kingdom Hearts 3 at 2, The Division 3, uh, um, and The Division 2, I'm sorry, at 3. Anthem comes in at 4. So there you go, the fourth best-selling game of the year. Anthem, Anthem. (laughs) Days Gone at 9, and hey, MLB 19 The Show is the 10th best-selling game of the year so far. Just goes to show you how valuable that MLB license is, and again, I cannot believe that no one is trying to take that or trying (laughs) to compete in that space and put games on Xbox and PC and PlayStation, make a great baseball game. I used to really love MLB 2K back in the day. That was a really good baseball game. I had one
2: MLB game that I liked. It was like, I think it was like 2004, MLB 2004, I don't know, I don't even know if that's the title of it. But I remember that being fun. I don't know. Baseball is just weird. I don't know how many studios are really like interested in doing that.
1: Yeah, I think EA and 2K Sports are the only guys that really have the wherewithal to find the t- the right team. But yeah, it is. It does beg the question. If you have a first party AAA team making a game in b- a baseball MLB game every year, why bother even trying to compete with them? But I still think that like what if, if you're an Xbox fan, what do you do? If you if you're a PC guy like well, you're you don't a PlayStation a guy game. if
2: you're a PlayStation guy and you missed racing like what are you doing now you know what I mean well
1: but, but but there's there's uh, well, the point I'm trying to make is there there are options on right, uh, the right. consoles there is no MLB licensed AAA baseball game anywhere else but on PlayStation I guess that's true. You know, so like there's, again, RBI baseball and all these other arcadey games, but nothing of the AAA provenance. See, that's what I'm confused mm-hmm, about. Yeah. Like, just get in there. Like, EA, just get back in there. Or 2K, get in there. MLB used to do uh, high heat baseball. I believe that that's what it was called. High heat. I think that's what it was called. I think that was that what their series was called. So these guys do have some, some history doing this stuff. Vaughn Allison wrote into us. It's quite the interesting name. Said, what's up, fellas? I broke down and bought the newest Madden after a four year hiatus, and I'm actually surprised by how much it has improved. Colin, you're a big football and hockey guy. Why don't you dabble in a yearly Madden run with the Jets? Can't wait to hear your thoughts on sports games. Keep pumping that grundle, boys. I don't know what don't like that that I don't like that. He says keep pumping with an apostrophe. And keep pumping that grundle.
2: The worst thing I've heard all year.
1: I don't know what that means.
2: I I, I don't need to know what it means to know that it's probably terrible.
1: I like the word grundle a
2: lot. I don't.
1: What do you prefer? Taint? Is that what the word you prefer for that? You know, it just doesn't come up in conversation
2: enough for me to prefer any kind of verbiage for it. You know, it's like I'd prefer to just like, yeah, let's not talk about
1: that, really. Well, that's fair enough, I guess. Now, Chris, you're not a sports guy. We we talked about this. We know this already. I am a huge sports fan. Football and hockey are upon us, which is so exciting. Back when I was at IGN, I reviewed the NHL game every year and I was like a, a really the biggest hockey expert in games media for sure. Football, a little less so. Actually, we used to work with a guy at, uh, at IGN that went to Northeastern, actually, and, and went on to become, like, this famous football writer. And he, was, uh, and he works at, like, The Ringer and ESPN and stuff now. But he was a really intimidating guy to write football about around. <laughs> right, You know what right. I mean? Because like, he just I don't even knew want... too much about it? Yeah, because I'm like, it's not going to be good enough, <laughs> whatever I say. But uh, I don't do it because I just find that I don't want to support the and I think we'll talk about this maybe a little later, but I don't want to support the the market that they've developed. I think that there's no real excuse to release a Madden game every year for $60, other than the fact that it's the best-selling game of the month, and so they make millions and millions and millions of dollars on it. But I really would love for them to say, like, here's the... How about this? Here's Madden for 100 bucks, and you'll never have to buy it again. And we'll release free updates for it, for rosters and stuff, and we'll release new customization options and new modes and stuff that you can pay as you go wouldn't that be nice that's when I'll jump back but they make so much money every year so why would they stop no it's exactly right but I think that someone someone, people need to stand up and say like I don't want to contribute to this and that's kind of my choice I don't want to contribute to it anymore I used to I owned every NHL game from NHL PA when it was still called NHL PA 93 all the way through NHL (laughs) 15 or 16 I own every one of them Colin
2: Moriarty is the worst man This side of the Mississippi. I hear, have you heard this? He refuses to buy Madden for bullshit reasons. I say we deport him. (laughs)
1: Lock him up. Lock. <laughs> Your impression's pretty good. You pretty haven't been working on this at all? No. Or using it? I have a good. friend of mine who
2: does it really good and I've just been like spending a lot of time with him. I don't so like
1: I don't like the SNL version. Who's the guy that does it on SNL? Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin.
2: He does it it doesn't sound really, it doesn't really sound the like the
1: voice him. is fine, but like the face isn't right. It's like totally over the top. Yeah. There's the f- you do a better version of it. Oh, thank you. You should be on SNL. God. No. Would we still be able to do sacred symbols if you were on SNL? We would figure it out. Number 12, Medieval Remake is coming to PlayStation 4 this fall, and it's going to launch alongside a hardback illustrated comic that will act as both a prequel and a sequel to the game's story. What? It's called Medieval Fates Arrow, and it's currently available for pre-order on Amazon and likely elsewhere. It's due out on October 29th, only four days after Other Ocean's Medieval Remake comes to PS4 on October 25th. What makes this comic interesting is that it's written by Chris Sorrell and illustrated by Jason Wilson, the original creative forces behind the 1998 original. Sorrel was a longtime uh, employee of now shuttered Sony Cambridge and was Medieval's creator, producer and director. He also directed other games out of Sony Cambridge, including Primal in 2003. He last worked in the industry on the prototype games. There you go, Chris. (laughs) <laughs> Jason Wilson was an artist and designer at Sony Cambridge and seems to have been out of the business for more than a decade. So basically what's happening is that Medieval is going to be supported with a hardcover comic created by the guys who created Medieval. I think that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, cool. Uh, we already had a sequel, though. It's just, it's called uh, Medieval 2. Yeah. And I'm confused as to why it's not happening, but okay. Well, I think you got to go one at a time, right? But Medieval 1 so short. That's the thing about it. It's like you could beat that game in like 45 minutes.
1: Yeah. Like, actually. I will see. Well, uh, my assumption is that if the game is well-received, Other Ocean might do the next one for maybe next Halloween or something like that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It just seems weird.
2: Seems weird. Because Crash 1 and, like, Crash 1 and Spyro 1 are both longer than medieval, and they... Uh, uh,
1: just seems like a weird thing to do. Have they announced the price? Uh, we might have talked about it. If it's, like, $19.99... $11. $11, yeah. No, I don't know. It's
2: probably uh, on the shorter end. I'd, I'd imagine maybe 30 yeah, no Max. more than that. I would say. no assume. more than thirty. I would be I would be shocked and chagrined
1: because
2: mm. uh, the Ratchet 60.
1: remake, which is a really big game and really triple A, was forty bucks.
2: Yeah, and
1: mm. they could have charged sixty dollars.
2: I would it, I would think. say thirty.
1: Yeah, $29. no more than thirty. 30. Even yeah. thirty is like a bit like ah, you know, whatever. I think nineteen ninety nine might be the sweet spot. We'll see. Yeah, probably. Number 13, Persona 5 Royal, has been given a Western release window and will come to PlayStation 4 at some point in the spring of 2020. Oh, thank God. Persona 5 Royal has been previously rumored, then teased, and then announced, and will be coming to Japanese PS4s in October of 2019. The original Persona 5 launched in Japan in September of 2016 and in the West in April of 2017, and predictably achieved critical and commercial acclaim. The JRPG's re-release under the Royal moniker seems similar to Atlus' move with PlayStation 2's Persona 4, which launched in 2008, and later came to Vita with additional content in 2012 under the title Persona 4 Golden, or the Golden if you're in Japan. I don't know if this one's called the Royal in Japan. I assume it is. Yeah. So, are you excited? No, not at all. But I'm if, excited. Are you Are you gonna play? Oh yeah, I'm gonna. I, I, every day when I wake
2: up, I carve uh, the words Persona 5 Royal in my arm, in my, in my on my thigh, right. with an ice cream scoop.
1: You must be run, with an ice cream scoop. Yeah, you must be running out of room. Takes a while. Number 14, Spelunky 2, the long awaited sequel to the Smash It game, uh, platformer game, I'm sorry, Spelunky, has been delayed. Initially planned for wow. release in 2019, it will now launch sometime in 2020. The original Spelunky came to PS uh, to PC in 2008, but hit true fame in 2012 with its first release on console via the Xbox 360. It first came to PS3 and Vita in 2013 and PS4 in 2014. The sequel was first announced in the fall of 2017 and is again under the direction of designer Derek Yu. It's planned for launch on PlayStation 4 as well as other platforms. Uh, were you a Spelunky guy? <laughs> yeah,
2: Spelunky is a weird game because I, I remember seeing it all the time on the Xbox Live Arcade and being like, that looks good. And then I just
1: never played it. Not once. I played it a little bit on Vita. I understand it, but it's not for me. It seems like a like a very specific group of people like it. People that play it fast. Uh, people that like to play things constantly over and over again. It reminds me of Binding of Isaac in that regard, where it's like oh, it's a yeah. game you just play. You know? So am I boring you? Are you tired? <sighs> no, no. My brain is just uh, slowly swelling. <laughs> Number 15, Sony has revealed four new new DualShock 4 controller colors, and they're due to come out this fall. Each will cost $64.99. The four colors are called Electric Purple, Titanium Blue, Rose Gold, and Red Camouflage, which is a combination of black, gray, and red. Interestingly, Sony is also releasing a rose gold headset to accompany their pink controller. The headset will cost $99.99. You guys should go look at these controller colors. They're actually pretty cool. I'm, I really like that rose gold pink one. It, it's a pretty cool yeah. color combination. And uh, the the camo one's the only one I don't like. The electric purple one's pretty cool too. It's like a, almost like, what's a, what's a good example? Like violet, right? Like that 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 more violet color, that more bluish color.
2: I guess. I don't know color names. People say shit like, it's like, oh, that's aquamarine. I'm like, what are you saying? What is that? I just know
1: everything from Crayola boxes, right? Aquamarine. I kind of can see it.
2: Oh, this is Propecia
1: yellow. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, know. I don't know what that means. Number 16. This one's for you. A Japanese-style visual novel called Pansu Hunter, back to the 90s, is coming to both PlayStation 4 and Vita on August 28th, following its PC release earlier this year, according to website Gamatsu. This is notable because Pantsu is Japanese for underwear, so the game is called yeah. Underwear Hunter. So you can only imagine what you're going to be getting yourself into with this game, though it's worth noting that it can't possibly be an AO or adult-only game, as it won't be released on PlayStation if it was. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Pantsu Hunter, was literally back a, to the 90s. It's literally a panty-raid game. It is. okay, And finally, Chris, a wrap up. This is a long one because there's a lot of games announced. Good luck then. Number 17, the PlayStation blog reports that action adventure VR game Witching Tower is coming to PSVR in the fall. That puzzle adventure game 39 Days to Mars is coming to PS4 sometime this winter. That game looks cool. That exploration game Journey to the Savage Planet comes to PS4 on January 28, 2020, and that whimsical tower defense game Rock of Ages 3 is coming to PS4 early in 2020. Rock of Ages is notable because I think it's developed in Chile, which is one of the only uh, games coming out of that country. That's That's the one with the disturbing cover art, right? Yes. Okay, Good. Website Gamatsu reports that Adventure Game Unlucky 7 is coming to PS4 in 2020. That visual novel Raging Loop will come to PS4 on October 18th. That visual novel slash adventure game Coffee Talk is coming to PS4 in January of 2020. That game looks cool as shit, by the way. It looks like a Valhalla ripoff to the absolute maximum degree. Valhalla being that bartending game that I really liked. So you guys can look forward to that if you'd like. Where was I here? Oh, that turn-based tactics game King's Bounty 2 is coming to PS4 in 2020. That so-called sports platformer Kung Fu Kickball is coming to PS4 in early 2020. That 2D Castlevania-like game Vigil, The Longest Night, which looks great, is coming to PS4 in early 2020. That survival game Frostpunk Console Edition is coming to PS4 on October 11th. That survival horror game Vanbrace Cold Soul will come to PS4 on August 29th. That adventure game, action adventure game, Nyx, or NYX, The Awakening is coming to PS4 in September of 2020. That flight game, Red Wings, Aces of the Sky is coming to PS4 in June of 2020. That first person action game Ghost Runner is coming to PS4 in August of twenty twenty. Jesus Christ. That simulation game Space Base Startopia is coming to PS4 at some point in twenty twenty. That colonial simulator Port Royale four is coming to PS4 at some point in twenty twenty. That RTS Iron Harvest is coming to PS4 in September of twenty twenty. That horror adventure game Remothered Broken Porcelain is coming to PS4 in the summer of twenty twenty. That fanfic <laughs> sh- that Frantic Shooter disintegration is coming to PS4 in twenty twenty. I'm that- excited the- about that one. Are you? Yeah. And that visual novel NG comes to PS4 and Vita on October 10th. Website Silicon Era reports that Travis Strikes Again, No More Heroes Complete Edition is coming to PlayStation 4 on October 17th after having come to Switch in early 2019. Website Push Square reports that Hardcore Shooter Sniper Ghost Warriors Contracts is coming to PS4 on November 22nd. That Groundhog Day Like Father Like Son, which is the second Groundhog Day game on PSVR, is coming to PSVR on September 17th. That side-scroller Blasphemous Sins is coming to PS4 on September 10th. That ship combat game Battle Wake is coming to PSVR on September 10th. That quirky action game Cat Quest 2, which looks cool, is coming to PS4 at some point this fall. And that Monkey King Hero is coming to PS4 on October 17th. And finally... IGN reports that horror platformer Little Nightmares 2 is coming to PS4 at some point in 2020, and that Kerbal Space Program 2 is coming to PS4 in 2020. That's cool. That's it. That's a lot. That's a lot of games. I'm looking forward to Little Nightmares, Kerbal, and uh, Disintegration. There are a few games in there that are very exciting uh, as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's so much. Vigil the Longest Night, which looks like Castlevania, looks very, very good. i definitely check check that out. 39 Days to Mars is one to keep an eye on. So yeah, lots of stuff coming out. Too much stuff. Yeah, a ton. Chris, as tradition dictates, I couldn't even possibly say that right, you will go first as we read our games releases for this week. All right, I will. PS4, VR, and PlayStation Vita.
2: I can already tell I've got a problem. Afterlife comes to PSVR. Loss always leaves an invisible trace. After a tragic death, explore each family member's grief through seamlessly interactive uh, storylines in live-action VR. Using a cutting-edge VR filming technique, Afterlife takes you through a 360 degree I assume yeah it doesn't
1: say that but yeah Yeah, it says 360
2: VR uh, which makes sense 360 VR branching narrative that reveals a story that shifts based on uh, the characters and objects you interact with so uh, it's a show
1: that you can you can put a VR headset on and watch in 720 disorienting Black Desert comes to PS4. Black Desert is an expansive MMORPG sprawling across vast and various regions. Jump into fast-paced action combat, hunt monsters and huge bosses, fight with friends in Siege Warfare, they spelt Siege wrong, or fish trade and craft your way to riches. Here we go!
2: Ah, God. Dobutsu Shogi World, Let's Catch the Lion, comes to PS4. Let's play and learn Shogi on three levels. Cute animal... Pieces have marks on marks to show the direction of movement. Have fun increasing your skills from Dabutsu Shogi, Goro Goro Dabutsu Shogi, and Dabutsu Shogi in the green wood. Use all that you learned and start playing Shogi. Oh no! That,
1: I read that entirely correctly. You did. You I did, still did. don't know what I read. You did your best. Doling's Invasion comes to PS4, another tribute paid to yet another arcade classic from the Hero Concept team. Doling's Invasion promises a fun gaming experiences to gamers of all ages. In Doling's Invasion, the second game of the series, the story continues right where it left off. This time, our hero Morpheus arms himself to defend his people from alien invaders. Didn't tell us anything about what the game is, so very well done. Injection comes to PS4, classic survival horror oriented
2: ter- to solving puzzles, exploration, and strategy. Travel to the depths of a lonely mind <laughs> Why do I, I feel like I get depressing ones <laughs> travel to the depths of a lonely mind that has lost contact with society and torments his own condition as a human being can you descend into the spiral of paranoia and madness to
1: rediscover your happiness that that's, that's so so sounds s- thrilling <laughs> that sounds really fucking depressing Mechabolt comes to PS4 and Vita Players take the role of a theme park technician that needs to collect batteries to repair the Haywire robot. With your handy mecha bolt, use the added control robots to your advantage to overcome obstacles and obtain the batteries across, across 100 puzzle platforming challenges. Only you can save the day. Onanaki comes to PS4. Oh,
2: look at that. The new action RPG Onanaki tells the story of one watcher on a journey to protect life after death. Onanaki features exciting hack and slash style battles with deep customization of your di d- daemons. Yeah, they're, I don't know why. D- I assume it's I demons, d- demons, but like your Matt daemons and your weapons uh, experience, unique action gameplay combined with a deep and
1: satisfying story. I recommend it. Well, good. Patoons party comes to PS4. Yeah, I'm like getting all the ones that are like nonsense. Ready for a great adventure? The Patoons need your help to face the evil Kitra. Kitra wants to conquer the islands of Chimera and steal the Patoons magic to control their world. Patoons doesn't have the apostrophe after it. Huh. Grammar mistake. Patoons Party is a party game full of fun mini-games to enjoy with family and friends. Join the Patoons and save their ma- their world of magical islands rad
2: comes to ps4 rad is a 3d action roguelike uh ro- i hate that i hate that term
1: yeah i don't like it either
2: roguelike set in a post a post post-apocalyptic world where humanity has faced armageddon not once but twice playing as a teenage protagonist you must venture into the fo- the fallow
1: fallow Fallo. yeah yeah
2: huh. An ever-changing radioactive wasteland filled with unknown and unspeakable creatures.
1: This is Double Fine, right? Yeah, this is a Double Fine game. That, and no one, the Namco Bandai is publishing this. Now remember, Double Fine was purchased by Microsoft, so this is going to be their last third-party game. And no one's talking about it. Like, I don't, I don't see anyone promoting it. It looks cool, and I love the idea of the post-post-apocalypse. I remember I was laughing about that when they announced yeah. the game. But I don't know if it's any good or not. Yeah, we'll see. Remnant from the Ashes comes to PS4. Remnant from the Ashes is a third-person survival action shooter set in a post-apocalyptic world overrun by monstrous creatures. As one of the last remnants of humanity, you'll set out alone or alongside up to two other survivors to face down hordes of deadly enemies and epic bosses and try to carve a foothold, rebuild, and then retake what was lost. Roar, with two R's and an exclamation point,
2: Jurassic Edition comes to PS4. Roar's fast and dynamic gameplay is a modern tribute to the good old brawler games, with a load of terrifying bosses, cool enemies, and six completely different aisles to explore. Roar is a brawler heaven and a perfect uh, perfect party game for
1: up to four players on the couch. And finally, Tokyo Chronos comes to PSVR. Tokyo Chronos is a VR mystery visual novel told in an immersive 360-degree world, and see, they use the degree sign here, Chris. Characters with personality come to life right before your eyes. Their fate lies in your hands. An empty, deserted Shibuya where time has frozen over. I've been the Shibuya. A suspenseful mystery woven by eight childhood friends trapped inside. Lost memories. Where does the truth lie? I don't know, but I'm not going to find out. Chris, are there any recommendations for you this week?
2: There's nothing here that really... Probably rad, I would assume, just because it's double fine. And I, I can't imagine them making anything that isn't at least enjoyable
1: yeah i mean we'll see uh, yeah I really like yeah.
2: costume quest back in the day costume I've... quest
1: was good headlander was always my favorite double fine game that's a great game it's a metroidvania where you oh, play as cool. a, a severed head it's, it's <laughs> re- that's awesome re- and, and you and you, you attach yourself to other bodies to do things it's pretty, pretty oh that's cool yeah it came out in 2016 i want to say
2: on ps4 you could do shit like that in medieval back in the day you could take your head off and put it on like this tiny disembodied like uh adam's family hand to go into like little areas that you couldn't get to as a, pr- a human person.
1: It's a nice little mechanic.
2: Yeah, I always love that idea. Possession.
1: And we'll talk more about Onanaki next week, but I don't think Square Enix would be mad at me to say that. I recommend it. It's fun. It's incredibly sad, which is the case with every one of their <laughs> games. So the, the I won't get too deep into it, but I am Satsuna. Satsuna I believe, means sadness in Japanese. So I think it literally is I am sadness. And it that was a really depressing game. Lost Fear I think, is about... Loss, I think, if I remember Mm -hmm. correctly. And this game is about purgatory, which is pretty interesting. It's about people that have died but can't get let go of life for some reason and how these people called watchers need to go and basically help them let go of of life. (laughs) Sounds like fun. It's really, really. (laughs) I love these melancholy. Yeah, yeah, I really do. And Setsuna was so special to me that, you know, what I'm excited about it with it. I got to get a code for you, Chris, because it's not a menu based role playing at all. It's an action role playing completely action. I'm,
2: I'm interested in it. Yeah, I'm down for uh, some hack and slash.
1: Very Japanese, though. Yeah, that's fine. Chris, we have eight questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas from the audience. Remember to support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand, where you get early ad free access to our show, the ability to submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas. As I've said in the past, I think that for a lot of people, the sweet spot's going to be the five dollar and up level or the two dollar and up level. $5 enough gives you ad-free early access to our shows, the ability to submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas, the ability to vote on topics and Let's Plays we do and all sorts of stuff. And then at the $2 level, that allows you to vote, get your inquiries and in, all of that kind of stuff without early access, ad-free access. So if you want to be a freeloader, you can continue to do that. But we appreciate your support on Patreon. And by the way, our Patreon is completely blowing up. So we appreciate it. That's awesome. We're at like over 6,000 now.
2: Imagine how many G.I. Joes we can put in sarcophagi.
1: All of them. <laughs> Literally all of them. I have... Uh, that
2: doesn't sound right. Sarcophagus is Doesn't sound right either.
1: There are 16 G.I. Joe in there right now, and I have 17 on, on their way right now. to Sar- me. Sarcophagon? It. It's sarcophagi. It definitely is.
2: Doesn't sound right, but all right.
1: I'm not entirely sure Egypt even really exists. <laughs> I've never oh, been there. I can't tell you that. That's a, yeah, fair point. <laughs> Sam Christensen wrote into us, Chris. Mm-hmm. He says, hello, Colin and Chris. My question today is... Hello. What is the co-op game you have put the most time into using local multiplayer? Mine would probably probably be Borderlands 2 with my girlfriend in split screen or land with a two TV setup. And for that reason, I will not be boycotting Borderlands 3. And I am greatly anticipating its release so I can sink even more hours into this one. Stay classy and keep up the great work. Chris, what games have or game have you sunk a lot of time into for couch co-op? Multiplayer? Oh, my God. Local couch co-op. Probably.
2: I mean, probably Halo 2, I think if yeah. we're going back because like. I've spent a lot of time in co-op in, like, The Left 4 Dead. I think that's the most general co-op game that I've played, but that's mostly online. The couch co-op is definitely back, going
1: back a bit, for sure. I think for me, I gotta say, in recent memory, and this is obviously in the last 10 or more years, uh, maybe Castle Crashers was the game I played the most. Oh, that
2: could be one of them, too, actually.
1: Because as I recall, you couldn't, play castle crashers online you had to play locally could. could you i don't know if you could on ps3 oh I, on xbox 260 you could i maybe i'm wrong about that but i remember i'm sure p- you, oh, could. No, you could you could absolutely no you could because i remember playing with christine steimer who used to work with at ign online so that's not it so maybe it's not even castle crashers maybe it's like overcooked <laughs> like I, I which i played extensively yeah locally it's I don't- been
2: a long time since i've relegated like because every time like yeah. All my roommates have consoles of their own, and we all pretty much have the same game. Some of us are game sharing. So if any time we're going to play co-op, I typically be like, go, go in your room. <laughs> go do go go, go, go to your do. room. I need my own screen. I can't do it. It just like bothers the hell out of me. Like The aspect ratio is all messed up, and in FPSs especially, like, sometimes it cuts off at the gun, and you can't see what gun you have. It's just, ah.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's not for me. I get agita when people even want to play video games with me. Like Aaron and I were playing a little bit of A Way Out, which was that EA published game yeah. about the prison break which is a really cool game but you have to play it with someone else as far as i understand and yeah it kind of sucked because it's a cool game and we had a, a good time with each other but i'm like i don't i don't want to experience this like this I, I wish that i could just play by myself or erin could just play by herself as well so i don't know yeah. I, all these games and we were talking about that play link game earlier that came to playstation hidden agenda you can yeah. play that by yourself or with others maybe maybe jackbox party is another example i played that extensively with other people
2: yeah but that's competitive. Yeah. Technically. Yeah, true. if if we're going couch co-op, that's
1: like I haven't even thought about that in a while. He doesn't say competitive though or anything. He says just local multiplayer. Local multiplayer. Hmm. Well, it's a good I question nonetheless. Yeah. We appreciate you, Sam. Scratching that memory bank of mine. Not doing too well by the way. No. Brody Rainey wrote in and said, Hey Colin, I have enjoyed hearing your enthusiasm in regard to your recent G.I. Joe collection. We talked about it already here <laughs> on the show. I know you have mentioned you admired retro collectors in the past and could see yourself doing that one day as well. My question is, what would you want to collect in the retro gaming world? NES, PS1, a little bit of everything. I have a pretty decent collection of 1,200 games or so and even have the older consoles hooked up to a big CRT or a catho-ray tube up in my loft. I can't tell you how fun it is to crank up my Sega Saturn and play X-Men versus Street Fighter with the arcade sticks or have drunken Mario Party N64 kickbacks with the bros. Thanks for all you do. Now, I don't think anyone's ever had fun on Sega Saturn, so I don't believe either. <laughs> but my brother's actually a really prolific retro collector. He collects a lot of stuff as well. I don't know, Chris, how do you feel about retro game collecting? Do you want to have physical copies of, of a specific, like, I know you're a real big PS1 guy, for instance. Is that is that a console you'd like to go and collect for in, in, in the future? It's, uh, I wouldn't, if
2: I was in a room and I could pay a reasonable price for something that was old that I know I would never use, but just kind of want to have that's PS1 oriented, I would do it. But I don't know if I really have a an itch for collecting anything. It's more like, oh, that'd be neat to have. You know, it's not really like a, like a mindset right or like a lifestyle it's more like like even the ps1 classic like i remember i was like oh, i kind of want that just because just because it's what it is i'm never going to use that thing it's just nice
1: to look at right right with with the exception of a few games on these consoles i have no interest in having them really yeah and i'm actually kind of actively looking to get rid of my ps3 and ps4 games my physical games they're just taking up all this room so if anyone's out there wants to buy a lump a big bulk of couple hundred PS3 and PS4 games. Let me know, I guess. Yeah. But uh, one collection I am going to keep, although I don't think I'm going to actively collect is I'm keeping all my Vita games. That's something I decided to do. And I have a bunch of NES and SNES games, N64 games, Dreamcast, Genesis, but I've kind of Xbox, PS2, all that. Yeah. But I've kind of just given them all to my brother and he's kind of just integrated them into his collection. So I'm fine with that.
2: Yeah. There's just a lot of games that just have been vanishing lately that I'm like, oh, maybe I should just like keep whatever hard copies i have because i'm sad that like i can't find mercenaries 2 anywhere i can't find games like the saboteur i'm i'm, ha- I'm happy i have because that's like the last pandemic game and there's no way that's you can find that anywhere now
1: right unless you go on uh yeah so it's
2: it's, like it's nice to have those things but i wouldn't say that i put a lot of time into scouting things out like oh man i really need i really need the dual shock one or whatever the hell I don't know well, what
1: I enjoy, though, about the G.I. Joe stuff is that it doesn't take any room, up, which oh, is what yeah. I'm really enjoying about it. Like, well, I'm especially
2: not if you bury them in, in coffins In coffins
1: now. Oh, my Long Island really came out there, didn't it? Yeah, coffins. But what's funny about it is that I'm trading with one, a fan of ours that owns a toy store in Ohio. I'm trading a bunch of my game toys and like game swag that I've accumulated over the years, including some of the stuff on the shelf. Uh, that's really expensive for a bunch of G.I. Joe's as well. So I'm just. I'm really into the G.I. Joe collecting because it doesn't, it's like minimizing the amount of room I have and, and, or minimizing the amount of room I take, I should say. And I'm obsessed with throwing things away. I love throwing shit away. I just brought two bags of, or getting rid of stuff, I just brought brought two bags of uh, clothes to Goodwill the other day. Oh, I just did that too. Yeah. I'm like, I gotta get rid of, I'm like always just getting rid of shit. But, so I, games just take up a lot of room, you know? Yeah. I know what you mean. uh, I don't know that I really have the space for it, but maybe one day. I, my brother tells me that there's a run right now on like N64 collecting and GameCube collecting and stuff. So that's like not a great place to go right now, apparently. Apparently, you can go back older and start finding some affordable stuff again, which is unusual. NES, SNES games with dead batteries and stuff that you'd have to replace. But you can get some stuff affordably if you want to start collecting there. But once the digital stuff started, I just I don't know. I just want to get rid of these PS3 and PS4 games. I have like three full crates of them, basically. Do
2: you have Spider-Man Web of Shadows?
1: I probably do, actually. Yeah. I'll take that off your hands. I got to go through and look, but you can have it. <laughs> I'm sure I do have that. I've been at the, I've that's been the at, one that Raven made, right? I don't know if Raven made it, but it's, it was... Uh, oh my God, that's who the That's the hell one where Spider-Man could be like different characters? He... Or no, that's Shattered Dimension.
2: Yeah, that's Shattered Dimension. Yeah, I don't know if I have the Web
1: of Shadow one. It's old. It's like 2008. Yeah, no, I don't think I have that one. Old as fuck. Can't find it anywhere. Wow, that was a pregnant pause, wasn't it? That
2: was a nice... That was a good lol.
1: Danny Garcia wrote in, said, Hey guys, question on games in beta, more specifically Fortnite. The game is undoubtedly the number one game in the world right now and has been for quite some time. It's supported with new weekly content and has long outgrown a typical beta phase. Why does Epic continue to keep the game in beta? If anything, I would imagine releasing the game would attract even more people. And he puts releasing in quotes. I don't understand this either. Is the game still considered a beta? You know, I, it seems like one of those things that's, that they they kept adding stuff to it and then somebody
2: on the team is like, hey, did we like, did we release this? <laughs> It feels like they didn't release it because they kind of forgot. They forgot to release it, and now gift. like releasing it would almost seem like negligent. It almost, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It seems yeah. like it, if it feels like if they released it, a lot of people would be like, "What are you talking about? I have it," and it would just make it seem a little bit weirder than if they just never addressed the
1: fact that they never released it officially. I'm with you there. They they could just quietly remove the beta tag from it. and No one would probably even be none the wiser. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of what's going on with Dreams in a sense with early access. I'm like, are you going to really release this game again, or are you just going to take the tag off and start charging people 29.99 for it anyway?
2: Well, they won best PS4 game at, at Gamescom. <laughs> did it really? Yeah.
1: I'm pretty sure. It did. I want to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to reach out to Sony first because I really don't want to buy it, but I will buy Dreams if I have to. Maybe we can get a code for it. But we should do a Dreams let's play. You know what? We're going to do a Dreams let's play next week. Okay. How's that? Screw your votes. I don't give a fuck what any of you have to say out there. <laughs> well, we're all caught up with the votes, so... Oh, yeah? So we won't know what ne- what they next... Dude, you should see some... First of all, one of the top g- vote-getters in the primary is another Titanfall. Like, mm. just as a joke now, I think people just want us to keep going back and yeah. playing for it. I'm like, if that wins, I'm not doing it. I'm just, just letting you guys just know. Don't, just
2: save your vote. It's just going to keep crashing first off, and there's nothing left
1: for us to do in it. Just I'm just letting you know, I, I will dictatorially remove that from... I think people are, play, I don't care if you want us to play bad games or anything like that, but please don't make us play I, Titanfall again.
2: I think people are just enamored with my supreme skill.
1: Dude, you're so good at that game. I'll have to tell you right now. I mean, if people haven't seen that Let's Play on our YouTube channel, Sacred, we're doing Sacred Symbols Let's Plays. You guys can go YouTube them or search for them. Uh, you're incredibly good. I, the thing about your skill level, and I, people are really anxious for me to play games with you now that I'm like great at. So we can like go tit for tat or whatever. That'd be good, yeah. Like, where I'm, I have a I have a uncanny skill at side scrollers, for instance, and that would be fun. But I'm really quite impressed with your gameplay skill. We
2: should uh, we should do like a, me- a Mega Man thing.
1: Yeah, we could just because I'm Mega- fucking
2: terrible at it. Yeah, we should. That would be fun. We could
1: play Mega Man together. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. So yeah, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I, we should do a dreams let's play because I do agree, and this is kind of just vaguely going off of Danny's question, but I do agree that maybe I'm being a little unfair and that. I've not experienced it, so I have no real idea what I'm talking about in a game in a game moment, or in a moment-to-moment experience, I should say. I don't
2: think you're necessarily wrong in the sense that I think it is something that you know you probably will not like, just because it is so focused on curation and uh, building. But I don't know, man. I, I've seen some cool stuff in it. I just don't have a desire to go
1: play it. Do you want to play X-Wing versus TIE Fighter in dreams? <laughs> People get so mad <laughs> at me when I keep saying that. <laughs>
2: Let's play Florida recount in dreams.
1: (laughs) Count the chads.
3: The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's list is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.
1: Noah wrote in said, hey, Colin and Chris, do any of you feel like this has been an off year for games? Personally, besides Crash Team Racing, there hasn't been a game that has hooked me or even been close to having the discussion of the game of the year about. I know Sekiro is great, but From Software has never really clicked with me, and Resident Evil 2 Remake never seemed worth the $60 as I'm going to wait to pick up at a cheaper time during the holidays. You're crazy, dude. Do you guys recommend any titles I may have missed that are worthy to go back to? I'm a busy, broke college student, and I really only want to put my time into games I know are worth it. Well, Resident Evil 2 is very much worth $60. I think you, so, too, yeah. But if you don't want to... if you, you know, money's tight. That is a lot of money. Yeah. Then... Save your cash, but I'm going to PSM profiles right now just to look at my trophies. Chris, what uh, games have I know you wanna maybe say a word or two about Sekiro. Yeah. But no, I loved, uh, what uh, else Sek- is out
2: there? I mean, I mean Sekiro, Crash Team Racing, Resident Evil Two. Those are all pretty great. And we're only like halfway through the year and obviously fall's gonna pick up crazy. I th- I think it's safe to say that Death Stranding is on track to launch this year at this point. They've they showed more gameplay this and they It fucking seems boring. Yeah, I don't know what By the hell. The way. <laughs> It looks so I th- the fucking thing that's, So here's the thing about it: it looks weird. I don't know if it looks fun yet. That's the thing about it, right? Metal Gear has been was weird and fun. I don't know if this looks fun. This looks weird. But if the if part of it is like that loneliness, then it could maybe strike some kind of Shadow of the Colossus vibe that mm. might be cool. Mm. So I'm kind of interested in... in, But there's a lot of stuff that's yet to come out. I think it's been a pretty great year, honestly. It's definitely not 2018, because 2018 was massive. But, you know, considering new consoles are coming out next year, I'm actually surprised that this year has been actually pretty fruitful.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I don't see this as a soft year at all. I'm looking at my trophies just to see what I've played. Now, I've played and platinumed a bunch of games that didn't come out this year. I platinumed Far Cry Primal, Metro 2033, Metro Last Light, Bioshock. And stuff, but then uh, that's my second Bioshock Platinum, which is sad. But the games that came out this year that I enjoyed, Animusha Warlords was re released, the PS2 mm-hmm. game that was pretty fun. Let's see here Far Cry New Dawn, I really liked, thought it was fun. Uh, the Messenger came to PS4 this year. Metro? Platinum. Yeah, I haven't played it yet, but Metro Exodus is Metro uh, Exodus supposed to be was great. Let's see There's here. a lot of good stuff. Yeah, Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney Trilogy, Days Gone. They put out uh, <laughs> Metal Wolf Chaos. I gotta play that still. I think it looks... I You're, heard it's really not very
2: good, but I really no, want No, 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 listen, it. man. You have to look at that game. I, you... I think you'd get a kick out of it. It's the most ridiculous, absurd shit that I've ever seen. But is it fun? Because some people are saying that controls are bad, but I, I... I, It's been a while since I've played it, so I don't know. Yeah. But, like, I... <laughs> just, like... the, It's almost worth playing just because the story is... And the voice acting is so... Resident Evil 1 that it's just inherently entertaining. There's a, the president, you play as the president of the United States in a mech suit, and he constantly says, I'm going to save the world. And the reason is because I'm the president of the great United States. It's supposed
3: to
1: be, it's supposed to be somewhat of a commentary, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's so schlocky. (laughs) It's amazing. I wonder if that's why it wasn't released here. It's the most entertaining thing originally, right? Because it it came out during the Bush administration, which was a very patriotic time in the United States. Oh, you're gunning down like U.S. Marines (laughs) as they're they're pouring out of army vehicles and it's uh, not even a fair fight at all. I'm going to, I'm going to, I think I'm going to download it. Fuck it. Uh, So yeah, Days Gone's in there. Borderlands 1 came out again this year, which was really great. Castlevania Anniversary Collection came out. Rage 2 was fun. Rage Uh, 2 is not bad. It's just weird. Bloodstained Ritual of the Night came out this year. Sekiro, we already talked about. Wolfenstein Youngblood is a skip. Division 2 came out this year, which was awesome. Felseal came out this year, which is my favorite game of the year. So I don't think this is a weak year at all, actually. And we still got Medieval and and Death Stranding. Fuck you, Noah. Yeah. What do you think of that? (laughs) (laughs) But no, seriously, I mean, money's tight, I'm sure. Money's tight for everybody. But Resident Evil 2, man, I don't know what you're waiting for. Yeah. Very, very good. Fantastic. They're super replayable, too. Very replayable. And that might be the, uh, I think you have to beat it three times in order to see everything, if I recall, because you have to do the Leon stuff and the Claire stuff. And then you have to do, I think, a, something that connects them. If yeah, I there's two
2: other ones, I think.
1: Yeah, like, a, like what do they call it? Like, scenario A, scenario B. And mm-hmm. for both, I don't know. I there's don't like know.
2: one where you play as a survivor and then another one where you play as a big chunk of tofu. <laughs> That's true.
1: Noah, we appreciate you. you I no- was only kidding when I said to go fuck yourself. I don't think I said to go fuck yourself. You
2: know nothing. Me.
1: Whoa. Whoa! What do you, know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fucking terrible. Can't, Sacred Symbols canceled.
1: <laughs> Alexis Anaya wrote in and said, Howdy, boys. This is the last week of the PS4 summer sale, and I was just wondering if you guys picked up any games this year. The deals are getting so good that my backlog is starting to get a bit ridiculous. I didn't want to talk about this, Chris, because... It used to be a thing where Steam players specifically used to always talk about how they'd have these like a massive backlogs. They would go on sales and just buy $100 worth of games and never play them. I'm getting to that point because the sales on PSN are getting so good, and there are so many of them all the time, including the Flash sales and all the great stuff that they do on there, that I'm starting to buy shit that I really have no intention of playing. Because I'm like, oh, Valkyria Chronicles? All right, save bucks. I guess I'll just buy it. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it really- <laughs> like literally no
2: intention of even. Yeah, yeah. My backlog's <laughs> been like that too. It's uh, <laughs> I, I haven't picked up anything recently just because again my backlog is so full, and and, and uh, obviously I'm like on so many different platforms that it's it's just like there's there's a lot. It's a lot of nonsense. You also have access, and we've talked about this in the past. Epic. Yeah, the- I have the, I have a, f- a press account with Epic, so I right. get a bunch of free stuff on on Epic on the Epic Store game pass I have right. so it's like it's just daunting thinking Chris, about thinking about a game to
1: play is ridiculous Chris uh Chris is underselling the epic thing because it's really funny because they offered us a pass which I didn't want so I had said oh give it to Chris and they were they allowed us to do that so Chris can enjoy the games the, our epic game pass our press pass gets us access to any game on the store for free it's hilarious you can download any game on epic for free if you're Chris Ragon also known as Chris Maldonado Trent Sinning wrote into us and said, what's up, guys? Last week, the official PlayStation Twitter account tweeted out and asked everybody what games they think define each generation of PlayStation. Oh, I did this, yeah. Since the current generation is almost over, it feels fitting to ask you guys the same question. If you guys had to pick one game from each generation that you feel defined it, what would it be? Chris, I think I know your answers, actually, for the most part, but I'm curious. Well, maybe I don't. Let me let me look back, because I tweeted something about it. It's got to
2: be, what, Crash? Uh, on... Where the hell is it? I'm scrolling through, but... yes,
1: one uh... for you, Crash, yeah? Crash, and." Mm... I would say th- obviously this is like
2: more personal because yeah. like I would say like objectively I think there are like games that like really define each Yeah,
1: let's do subjectively. But like subjectively
2: for yeah. me I know like in my experience with with all all the generations of PlayStation for PS1 for me it was without a doubt Crash Team Racing. That was it for me on on PS1. PS2 was embarrassingly not Metal Gear Solid 3 or like any of the shit that I actually really adored from that generation. It's it's more Dragon Ball Z Budokai. It was a fighting game that looked like claymation. It looked horrible. But I remember I bought the game. I saved up money to buy that game for the PlayStation 2 before I had a PS2 so that my parents would see me staring at the case and feel guilty enough to buy me a PlayStation 2. And it worked. Excellent. Although I'm sure they probably just wanted a DVD player. (laughs) Uh, With PS3, it was when I started to fall off because I, I don't know, Uncharted 1 didn't really, I don't know, it just wasn't for me, and then like Haze and all this other but I, I think Infamous was the one that I think of when I think of PS3. That and Motorstorm, for whatever reason. Yeah, Motorstorm. Motorstorm was... I really liked Motorstorm. Launch Storm. game? Yeah. And PS4, for me, is God of War.
1: What about a PSP and Vita? PSP is wipe up Pure. And Vita, you don't really have enough experience with. Yeah,
2: to... I don't really... I haven't... All I, all I play on my Vita is PS1
1: game. <laughs> PS1 game I play Tekken 2. I think a lot of, of PS Vita. Tekken 2, Jesus God. That must look horrible. It looks great. There's no way... The Tekken 2 looks great. Tekken 2 holds up phenomenally All well right. on the visual. No, it does. All right, we'll see. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for PS1, I mean, the games that just come to mind for me. I don't, I, this would. This is one of those things I would probably change any given day you ask me. Yeah, exactly. But it's but like, I think based like, on the mood, almost. Final Fantasy Tactics, maybe on PS1. For PS2, Nerd. GTA Vice City, probably, or MGS2. For PS3, The Last of Us is probably the game. Infamous is a great selection, though. Mm-hmm, yeah. And PS4, I don't know. I mean, it's still to be written. I, I don't know that I'm, I'm ready to have a verdict on that yet. I
2: think so far... I mean, f- for now.
1: Yeah. I'm, I think if
2: God of War is like the the game of the... To me. Yeah. Anyway. God of War is a good one. I don't know. I don't know. But it's hard to say. Generation's not
1: over, obviously. Spider-Man, maybe?
2: Spider-Man's definitely
1: up there. I saw that for a lot of people. I don't know. I, I, I got to think about PS4 because we're just still in it. PSP, uh, Tactics Ogre, uh, Let Us Cling Together is what comes to mind for me. I fucking love that game. And uh, Vita... I don't know Fi still alive so we can't did talk you about ever it like
2: that. did you ever play uh, the greatest PlayStation one game of all time ET the extraterrestrial inter-
1: interplanetary mission Dude, it's so weird you said that because I was just looking at that wiki for that game today. what why yeah, straight up because it was a there's a studio <laughs> that's closed now. I was reading about independent Studios and I was just like I never heard of these guys and I read about it them and I can't remember the name of them. But the first game that they developed was that PS1 game came out in 2001. It's so, terrible. Yeah. It's That's really fucking bad. weird that you brought that up. That is that is bizarre. I wish I remember what the studio was called, but I don't remember. But I just was looking at that Wikipedia today. What a terrible that video It That is game. really weird. Max Davis throws us a little bit of a curveball, but it's for you, Chris. Okay. He says, thoughts on Halo Infinite's creative director leaving... We are a year or less out from release of Halo and it will surely be one of the most important games of the next generation console wars. Chris, you should have some insight into this.
2: Yeah, uh, I've been pretty, I'd say I've been keeping up with 343 and like what's been going on over there. I think it's definitely weird that the creative director left, but it's also the creative director who was also the creative director for Halo 5, which was not the best. And as far as I've seen based on some of the content creators that I know who are like closely intertwined with 343 the the leading creative charge and the lead of like role that's being filled there is by Chris Lee who is the studio head and he's also kind of taken a it seems to me more like this guy's doing this anyway and it seems like just more of a restructuring than anything else i think i think it's probably fine i don't think it's really that big of a deal it's it's definitely weird especially just because it's such a drought as far as information on that game goes because we're probably not going to see anything about it till E3 next year which is depressing, but I don't know. I don't really, th- I'm not all that concerned about it.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I, With Halo, I'm just like, this game has kind of been percolating for a while and I, I just don't, I'm not an expert at all in the, in the studio or the yeah. franchise, but 343 just doesn't seem to have the chops to really do this the way people want it done. And I, I feel like this game is going to let people down just because there's been all these expectations for a great Halo game again, and it just doesn't seem like it's being met. And I will say that I'm not so sure that it's that important anymore. I, I don't know that Halo's really that important anymore. It used to be massively important, but I think mm-hmm. that Halo sales have actually fallen, if I recall, from four maybe, something like mm-hmm. that? I, th- I think they've gone up since four. I think five sold more. Oh, okay. But
2: I do think... I just made that up. I, I do think it's colossally important for the brand, and it's, I mean, obviously, like when that Infinite trailer launched... Or when it dropped, it was like the biggest trailer around that time of V 3 And it was like... Because this, this, it's been such a long development cycle for this game. It's unusually long. It's like a five-year development cycle for this, for this game. Which is... Usually Halo's on a three-year development cycle. With four, it was on a two-year. It was like ridiculous. Uh, so it does seem like they're putting a lot of time into it. I think the worst thing that I can expect is that we get a really, really great first-person shooter... Because even Halo 4 and Halo 5, which I'm not really that big on, as games in that franchise as far as like, do, are these representative of what the series actually is? Those are still great first-person shooters, like by any stretch of the imagination. I think it, I don't even think it's really debatable. So, the only way that they could let me down is if the game literally isn't fun. And, you know, whatever. And the old games are coming to PC anyway and probably, <laughs> probably PlayStation at some yeah, point. Yeah, I'll... So, I'm not really all that concerned about how Halo Infinite does. I'm excited about it. It looks right, and we'll see. I just don't know anything about it now. It's, they've only shown CG trailers or, like, engine trailers, and it's like, all right, I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, I'm interested to see how it does. I hope it, I hope it's great. It's a launch title, so that's interesting. It's the first time that's happened since the first one, so. That's right. I forgot about that, actually. Interesting.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right, because Marathon was... And, Marathon was Mac. Right, and Microsoft <laughs> saw that, and then they, they asked for the sequel. Because well, M- Halo is a sequel to Marathon, right? It's like a spiritual successor to it, but like Halo was
2: originally supposed to be an RTS for the Mac and then they bought it and then turned it into a third person shooter for the Xbox and then it evolved into a first person shooter. That's why that's why the first game is so large
1: and so open is because it's supposed to be it's it's built as an RTS. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't it's really that. weird. It, I do remember I have I got the game in 2003 when I got my Xbox and I remember playing it and thinking that I'm like this game is really big it's huge yeah
2: yeah it's got rts blood in it. it's weird it's a very weird game with I, a lot of interesting dna to it i just
1: loved the the
2: ring in the sky it's the a cool halo. visual
1: that's a halo is that what they got then? yeah the, the,
2: <laughs> <laughs> they showed it at mac world steve jobs and how weird is that steve jobs unveiled halo and then it, they,
1: bill gates just stole it from him fucked up chris we have the final question here from jamie fraley but it talks about if Sony should buy more studios. And I actually wrote this episode before Insomniac was purchased. So we've already kind of answered your question, Jamie. But I did want to acknowledge that you almost got red on the air. Almost. Uh, although I will say that at the end of your inquiry, Jamie, let me open up my thing here again. You did. You did say KTGA. I just want to reiterate that that means keeping Tuesdays great again. But we we're keeping Tuesdays great. No, not again.
2: Not again. Because Tuesdays have never been great. Before now.
1: Tuesdays were great when I was on Podcast Beyond. And Tuesdays were great when we did PSI Love You. And we've made them great again. <laughs> now, I'd argue that they're better than ever. Mm-hmm. We've made Tuesdays better than they've ever been. Now, that's too long of an acronym. I don't know how to. to yeah, that's not that really down. catchy. Tuesdays have never been better. T H B B? Tuesdays have T H N B B? No. K
2: T G A. Keep, keeping the goat alive. I don't
1: know. I don't even know what I'm talking
2: GOAT about. GOAT is an acronym for greatest of all time. Yeah.
1: I don't think I knew that for like a long time, by the it way. It took me a while, yeah. I'm a fan. I remember when the, I'm those goate
2: those goatee editions started coming out. I was like, what's that?
1: Go, oh, goatee. <laughs> yeah. There's a, I think I talked about this before, but I took French in college for a couple of years. I had this professor, and uh he was a really sweet guy. He was this like young, twenty-something gay guy right off the plane from France. I don't know if he was teaching at Northeastern in order to... I don't know if he was like going yeah, there. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't know what the fuck was going on. Whatever. He was a really sweet guy, but he used to tell this story about all these funny things that, as growing up in France, that they didn't understand about American culture. And he would always say that they would watch um, Saved by the Bell and people would have UCLA shirts on. And he and him and his friends always thought it was Ookla. And, and, and they didn't know what that meant. Like, what does <laughs> the word Ookla mean? So it's just a little bit of a similar story for you. Just a little bit of a story for you. What was his name? I oh, God, I don't remember. How sad. Is it? I don't remember. Oh, no. I was going to say laden, but that's not right. That doesn't really matter. I wonder if he ever thinks of me. (laughs) That's a great place to end. (laughs) That was episode 60 of uh, Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Remember, support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Collins stand for early ad free access to every show, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas, and of course, access to Sacred Symbols Plus, our weekly supplement to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. We did the first episode about first-party studios and which ones we would want in our own team. The second episode was all about violence and media. The third episode is going to be about what studios we think Sony should buy next. Fun conversations. They are for the most hardcore of PlayStation fans and Sacred Symbols fans. So come join us. Remember, if you want to show us support in other places, you want to be freeloaders, that's perfectly fine. (laughs) Leave us nice reviews on iTunes. Let your family and friends know about the might, the majesty, and the wonder of all things Collins Last Stand. Go buy merch if you want. TinyURL.com slash Sacred Shirts. And follow Chris on Twitter. That helps as well. Yeah, that helps
2: us well. definitely does. That.
1: You have any new videos up? Uh, I'm
2: working on a couple. You're gonna do I, one
1: about Kataku, right?
2: I'm yeah, I'm doing one about the article. I just want to compile some stuff about it before I do something on it. But yeah, there's a bunch of stuff work. I'm working on an Area 51 thing for when the day happens.
1: What is that? Like September 20? Oh, September that 20th. That's soon. Yeah. yeah, about a month.
2: Yeah, I got to go to New York to film some stuff, so I'm I'm pretty excited about it.
1: Cool, man. Well, it, first, did I ever tell you? Interrupt you? No,
2: no, no, did I ever tell you about that dude who like surgically? Got his nose turned upside down?
1: No, no.
2: He drowned in the shower.
1: I fucking hate you so much. He warded aborted himself. <laughs> That's the weird part of it. He tortured and water, but It's too bad the CIA wasn't there. It's too bad he wasn't at a CIA black site in Poland. They probably could have gotten some information out of him. Stupid. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. All right. We appreciate your support. We'll see you next time. Bye. Take care. Jesus <laughs> Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a product of and a registered trademark of Colin's Last Stand, LLC, and is recorded right here in sunny Santa Monica, California, USA. The show is conceived by, is written by, and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co host is Chris Raygun. You can find me on Twitter at No Taxation and on Instagram at CLS Moriarty. Chris is on Twitter at Chris R. Gunn and on Instagram at Chris Sacred Symbols is edited by Dustin Furman. Any snail mail can be sent to the CLS P.O. Box, P.O. Box 1233, Santa Monica, California, 90406. To message the show online, please use Patreon's DM service. As you know, all of Collins Last Stand shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and we are eternally grateful for your kindness, generosity, and fandom. Chris Adams, Carlos Algarit, Morgan Ashley, Taylor Barkley, Adam Barnes, Justin Bearden, Martin Beck, Eric Bishop, Mark Boggio, Eli Blossford, Andrew Bonnell, Barrett Boswell, Spencer Brand, Miguel Brewer, Lennon Brixey, Eric R. Brown, Jimmy Brown, Jason Budnick, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Dylan Burns, Chris Buston, Nick C., Alex Cabrera, Nick Calloway, Tom Cargill, Patrick Harper, William O'Carroll, Brian Chan, Sean Chandler, David Chestnut, Rodney Coleman, Simon Conception, Brad Cooley, John Cordero, Gio Corsi, Nick Cottrell, Philip Crone, Daniel D'Amour, Colin Davenport, Mitchell Durkash, Zachary Douglas, Knight Draft, David Ellis, Martha Emery, Liam Fagan, Joe Finelli, Eric Finkenbeiner, Chris Galvin, Connor Gashian, Alex Gates, Michael Gates, Salem Ganham, Al Daniel Glassford, Tyler Goodwin, Josh Gravelick, Miranda Grubba, Jonathan H., Tyler Harris, Kyle Hagel, Shane Hendrickson, Wide Henry, Scott Hernandez, Asa Haas, Johnny Humphreys, Blake Israel, Azan Isa El Ricey, Josh Yeager, Garrett Jagger, Jimmy Jalakura, Joshua Johnson Greg Julius, Anton Kay, Patrick Kelly, Jeremy Key, Auntie Kinnanen, James Kinslow III, Ryan R. Kittredge, Kenneth Kopnick, Joshua Koga, Andre Kozachka, Ron Kroskoff, Jackson Lostaqua, Joe Lawson, Don Q. Lee, Duncan Leishman, Matthew Lenz, Jeffrey Leonard, Patrick Leslie, Dustin Lewis, Keith A. Lewis, Chad Lewis, Lou and Ray Loper, Colin Love, Josh M., Ryan T. Mandel, David Mann, Peter Mark, Matt Martin, Michael Martinez, Sean Mason, Jordan Mouse, Zachariah McAdoo, John McCarthy, Josh McKinney, Joe McPartland, Philip J. Mel, Andrew Mendoza, Christopher Midling, Matthew Miller, Alex Moans, Chris Moore, Betty Ann Moriarty, Abe Mukhtar, Ryan Murdoch, Adam Nix, Donnie Nolan, George A. Nunez, Grayson Orr, Brian Ott, Jesse Owen, Jorge Palomino, Andrew Parker, Daniel Parsons, Marius S. Peterson, Gerald Pennington, Matthew Perdue, Enrique Perez, Jason Pettit, Travis Plymel, Tibo Poplier, Louis Powell, Lawrence F. Prokop, Sharo Kaderhama Karim, Andrew Ramos, Ryan Reeves, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds, Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice, Mark Richardson, Toby D. Riemenschneider, Daniel Rivas, Johnny Rosado, Petro Rose, AG Rowe, Jose Salinas, John Schultz, Michael Shanholz, Toby Schutman, Glendon C. Simper, Joshua Smallwood, Daniel Strycharsk, Wesley Simmons, Ahmad Tamar, Will Velander, Ben Thompson, Ren Todd, Carl Tolman, Alan Tremblay, Raymond Vargas, Michael Vecchio, Oakley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Troy Walters, Connor Walton, Isaac Wastman, Damon Weathers, Josh Weir, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zuniga, Hugo's Desk, Organic Produce, Jeff, Casual Misfits Gaming, Super Shot ST, Homeworld Hub, Throw 7, Infinite, MadMock Media, Fabian, Not Your Real Dad, Mubarak, Richter. 86, Andrew, Ian, Chris, Dav9834, Scott, Renick Donk2015, and Gavin